Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the brand newest podcast on the Stat Check Network. It is episode one of Take All Comers. I'm your host, Tyler Bortel, joined by my absolutely fantastic co-hosts. Nicholas Olson Johnson. And the illustrious. It's your boy, Lucas Troller. And today, I'm going to say this a lot, is the day of all days. Because we are here in our brand new home in the world of Stat Check, coming at you hot and fresh with some brand new Warhammer 40k uh, content, bringing you a GT review going back to our roots, because what is old is what is new again, and I am so excited to bring it to you uh, hot and fresh. But today, not only is it old, because we got the we got the boys, we got everyone in here together, we've also got a very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the floor, Mr. Tanner Herbert. How are we doing, Tanner? Hello, I'm Tanner Bear. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. For those of y'all who don't know, Tanner is a very good friend of ours, and he did particularly well at the great game, the Gong Guy GT, that we are all, all back from this weekend and super excited to talk about. But before we jump into any of that, I got to check in with the boys. How are we doing today, Lucas? I'm doing fantastic. It's been um, kind of a wild month for me. I... Uh, you know, I've had a whole bunch of changes in life. I got a new job in the last week, which has been really cool. Just getting started at that. Um, feels good to kind of have my feet under me again. And then um, obviously with the new podcast as well, there's been a lot of change in the last couple of weeks, but I'm loving all of it. It's all feeling super great. And uh, I'm excited to, to forge a new path in the next couple of months and years. I think it's gonna be really fun. And um, I'll just say that if you, if you enjoyed the kind of stuff that we were doing on TNG, that we're gonna be doing more of that at Take All Commerce as well. So um for fans new and old this will be a great show and we're excited to have you um yeah super excited to talk about warhammer tonight how you doing nick dude i am doing quite well um yeah <laughs> uh work uh you know been busy with uh something for a while now and got it done today and we got our new show tonight so it is a very exciting thursday here um yeah, excited to talk about some Warhammer because oh boy, oh boy, it is quite fun again. So, yeah, it's been a blast. How about you, Tyler? How are you doing? I am doing absolutely fantastic. I have been itching and scratching to talk about Warhammer. Uh, the new balance data slate meta has been out for a little while now. We got to use it this weekend, which was so hype. Massive shout out to Matt Wood RTO for making that happen. But I've been having a ton of fun breaking into a ton of different games with all sorts of nid-related nonsense, uh, and I'm just like, ah, very excited. But uh, before we, we get into that, I also want to check in with our guest. How are we doing tonight, Tanner, and how are you feeling about the state of Warhammer as it sets? I'm good. 40K is super fun. It was fun before, but it's more fun now that we can actually write lists and not feel like it's a waste of time. Yeah, the meta felt good. Death Guard is good. Life is good. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. As Seth points out, the last time you were seen on a camera in the world of Warhammer, uh, you were dumping a gallon of milk onto your face. Um, could you go ahead and fill everyone in on what might have happened there? If those of who for the uh, uninitiated, as it were, what was going on there? Yeah, I was drinking a gallon of milk laying in Colin's driveway while it rained to try and cool off from the hot sauce challenge. That really <laughs> fucked me up for a long time. <laughs> Like mentally or physically? Like both. 
yeah nice the next morning was like everyone who made it to the final tier commiserating outside of a restroom that we'd been relegated to <laughs> and then mentally like weeks of like i thought i like spice what's going on i thought thai food was pretty hot nothing on capsaicin that stuff is messed up fantastic well thank you so much <laughs> for sure joining us <laughs> You did indeed. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Tanner. We are super excited to break down what you and the rest of us brought to this GT and how it went. So let's dive right on in to the main topic of today because we have a lot to get through, which is the great game in the at Gongai Games, the Gongai Games GT, the great game in Forest Grove, Oregon. That's why this episode is called Into the Woods because it takes place in Forest Grove and it's our first episode. Um, we're going to explain every joke. That's how, uh, that's, that, that's our, that's our new bit. We explain all the jokes until they're not funny anymore. So Mr. Olson Johnson, Nicholas himself, you want to break down the event for us? What was going on? Uh, what were the ups? What were the downs and how did it go? Yeah. So this is the event summary of the great Gongai game GT. Um, so it was a five round 34 person tournament. Uh, the, Final placings were determined by, um, oh, this is pairings? Windpath random, there we go. All right, so the pairings were uh, windpath, so like 1-0, 2-0, et cetera, and random within that bracket. The placings were opponent gain 1%, uh, and then battle points as the additional tiebreaker. Uh, we played the Leviathan mission pack, missions M, I, L, F, and J uh, specifically. We played GW Fixed Terrain Layout, and the Q1 2024 data slate was used at the event, which was super hype. It always sucks to have a data slate drop and then play an event like two days later that uses the old rules. So, Absolutely. This was my first time heading out to this uh, Gongai location out in Forest Grove. Had any of you guys been there before? Yes. Gongai is great. I love Matt's tournaments. They're really good. We'd gone in the past and give him a really hard time about his previously done terrain layouts, which were all UKTC, and we just flamed him aggressively. And this time he had really, really good uh, G-Dub layouts. His logistics are always great. He feeds you in the morning. He's fun. Great judging. Great prizes. Would yeah, absolutely. If you are anywhere in the greater Portland metro area, I feel like this is the premier events that are happening around here. Like Tanner said, there's free donuts, free as it included with admission. There are donuts and coffee in the morning both days. There's pizza for lunch both days. There's a very small but technically applicable discount on dinner if you go across the street. It's in a super cute part of town. There are fr There's free water and soda over the course of the entire weekend. Three bathrooms, tons of space, lounge area, like... The chairs are fantastic. Oh my god! Every did, do we have any pictures that you can see the chairs uh, in? Probably not. Yeah, every, every, every table. Oh. Every table has a pro gamer chair at it, yeah. which is fantastic. Two two pro gamer chairs. Sorry, one, one pro gamer chair per yeah. player. Yeah, check and out. They have I, incredible our support. You'll see it at the end. It's on. It's like slide forty yeah. something. So okay, we've we'll been to his RTTs before, which is at a different shop. Um, yeah, I believe Rune Board in Hillsboro which is another fantastic, well-ran RTTs. Like he really pulls out the red carpet for all of his events and they're, they're cheap. Like most GTs are like 75 plus around here and his are I think like 50, 55, so. Uh, yeah, and 55 with breakfast there. and lunch included. Yeah. And, and one of them store, every quarter. The store yeah. sells beer and has a bunch of local micro brews that are canned and you can start a tab in the morning when you show up, which to me is like a critical part of an event. 
So they have everything there. It's the best. It's the best local tournament for sure. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. We had not had a local GT in a hot minute. And oh man, did I forget how fun it is to get to go out, out in the morning and sleep in my own bed and play a whole bunch of Warhammer. Like, very nice. Would recommend. Yep. Sweet. So let's jump right on into some of the lists that we're getting taken here. Uh, starting off with, uh, oh, myself. Very cool. Um, uh, I don't know who labeled my list here, but this labeled as my horde of chittering idiots. Um, for those of y'all who uh, do not know who we are and what it is that we tend to play, uh, I am a Bugs player at heart. The other boys will cover their nonsense uh, when we get to them. Um, and in particular, I like hordes. Uh, I've been playing Endless Swarm kind of up and down the block for the last, since the NIDS Codex came out. It is a ton of fun. And this is the uh, variant that I took. Um, just before this, I was on something very, very similar. Uh, and then I there were so many people telling me that Hormigants were good. And if you've talked to me at all, I hate Hormigants. I think they're the worst unit in the book. They're so bad. Um, and then I played them once, and I was totally wrong. They're absolutely fantastic. Um, so they made it into this list in one unit of 20. Um, but uh, we'll see if they may, if we end up with more of them after the event. So for the moment, we've got uh, the Turvagon, Death Leaper, a Neuro Tyrant with the enhancement for plus three pile and consolidate for him and his unit, three squads of 20 Termagants, 20 10, 10 Gargoyles, 20 Hormigants, 22 Neurogants, so for those of y'all keeping track at home, that's what, 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, 120, 144 Griblies, 142 Griblies to start the game, and then a bunch more later on. Three Exocrines to provide some fire support and lane control. Paraneurolictors to do Neurolictor-related things. Three Venomthropes to keep everybody alive and stealthy, and a Biovore to score infinite points. And this actually is my Death Leaper depicted here on the right. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the list. Sweet. What do you got, Nick? All right, so uh, I was thinking of playing Votan for this tournament, and with the data slate dropped, uh, I was going back and forth between them and Necrons. Uh, I got a little bullied into playing Necrons. Uh, I think every Votan list I sent to our chat, uh, my friends told me sucked, and every Necron list that I sent, they told me was the coolest thing ever. So I absolutely brought Necrons. Um, this is a variant that was shared with me by a Team USA teammate, Joel Olson. Um, he made a list with the Silent King in it, and I absolutely had to play it. Um, people will know that I'm a huge fan of the Silent King. I played him quite a bit in, gosh, was it 2022? Basically the Nephilim meta, um, where he was absolutely insane. Um, and I haven't played him since then, because he's been kind of, you know, bad. Um, so this list is the Hypercrypt detachment that people have been hearing a lot about. The one that lets you pick up three or four units of return if you have the uh, right enhancement. And also the famous three-inch deep strike uh, stratagem. So the list, it's pretty thin. Um, it's playing a lot of big stuff. Um, I think I have, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight characters, and then like four other units. So yeah. It's a little greedy. Um, it's got the Silent King as my Warlord. It's got two Chronomancers with no enhancements. It's got a hex mark uh, with the enhancement that allows you to pick up a fourth unit at the end of your opponent's turn. It's got a Locust Lord with the Deep Strike enhancement. Um, it has the Nightbringer, it has the Void Dragon, it has Xeris, and then it has two squads of 20 Warriors with Reapers, a squad of six Locust Destroyers, and then a single Locust Destroyer. 
So main kind of combo with this list that I'll be talking about in our games a lot is pairing the Chronomancers with the Reaper Warriors to allow you to do that three inch deep strike, shoot, fire and fade five and steal objectives from people, which pretty silly. Um, yeah. Fun, fun list. Sweet. Very exciting. Did you consider taking the monolith? I feel like he's kind of the big bad these days uh, after Matt Laura's run at LVO. What do you, what do you think of him? I think the model is super fun. Um, Lucas and I played a test game with it, and I played like a few other just like experimental games with it. Uh, unfortunately, my monolith was not painted in time for this tournament since I was planning on running Votan. I was actually like working on hobbying up some extra bikes, and then the slate dropped, which made Votan list go like a little bit. And so I changed over to this list. Didn't really have enough time to paint a monolith in like, you know, the three days <laughs> uh, leading up to the event. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's super cool. I think it is much better in a list with more infantry, uh, because the monolith has an ability to pull extra models across the board, um, but only to infantry units. So yeah, I played against some monolith lists in this tournament, which I'll talk about, um, later this episode. So yeah, I think it's super, super good as well. Um, I think the cool thing about hypercrypt is you can really just throw a lot of different things in there and they work. So, yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Let's keep it rolling. Uh, the man, the myth, the legend of the hour, Mr. Tanner. Uh, what do we got here in the world of Death Guard? Yeah, my list is sick. It's awesome. It's back. Morty's back. Ignore Mods is back. It's back to the way it should have been the whole time. Uh, my favorite part about my list is that I had ASCI art of Morty from Rick and Morty. And I was like, this is blessed. It is Morty, it is Typhus. It's got two full 10-man Plague Marine squads and Rhinos with the two good characters. It's got three by three Death Shroud, a Nurgling, and then two Brigands. Um, and, but it has two more critical characters. It has Termi Sorks. Uh, they're here. I wanted to show under the camera. They're very too deep. This is like the new coolest unit, Death Guard. I don't know how none of us found it. Ryan Cherwich told me there's some guy on the internet who's been yelling about how good this character is to like an audience of none for a whole year. And he was right. This thing is awesome. It's just like a doomsday arc, but in a character. It's a little slot machine you pull that does between like zero and 36 damage. And then if you are fighting melee on a two up, it gives you minus one damage in melee at the start of the fight phase. And you don't have to roll the dice. You get to pick. He's the, he's the best. Um, yeah, the whole tournament, I just flew two Terminator Sorks around in Morty, and it was awesome. Death Guard's back. Hell yeah, dude. Sweet. And last but certainly not least, we got the boss himself rocking the mean green orky machine. What do we got, Lucas? And I, I didn't actually say you were playing the wrong army this time. That bit is dead. What do you got? Yeah, I'm back, baby. I'm playing orcs. I'm having so much fun with this funny index. Nah, for real. I've played Chaos Knights for a little while, so getting back to my Orky roots uh, is going to be cool. And I'm playing all the cool units here. So I've got Gaskull, I've got Miles Drog, I've got Captain Badruck. I've got the Death Killer Wartrike with Super Cyborg Body. Uh, him and Gaskull are like two of the units that I'd say most people are sleeping on at Orcs right now. Uh, there's two War Bosses to join to the Knobs. We've got a Mega Boss to join to Mega Knobs. 10 Beast Mega Boys for the anti Catan tech. 10, or sorry, 11 Gretchen, 10 Flash Kits. Two squads of five knobs, five mega knobs with saws. Uh, sorry, five mega knobs with twin saws, four trucks, and two by five storm boys. 
So basically, it's a bunch of elite characters wandering out on foot, and then I've got four trucks, one full of gits, one full of knobs, one full of mega knobs, one for snagas that I can use where appropriate. Uh, yeah, it's coolest. You're muted, Tyler. Very cool. Uh, what was the most recent uh, change here? You know, what's the what's the what's the latest and greatest in terms of orcs? Um, a couple of things, like I was mentioning, Gaskell and the Def Killer are both really cool. The Def Killer is a 90, 95 point character who auto advances six, so he goes eighteen inches every turn. Has an assault weapon, has a four up field no pain, and a five up invuln, and he's OC three. So he like wins the transport wars. Uh, he can action super easily. He's something great to kind of uh, force your opponent to commit and initiate the fight early. And the, that way he's a little bit like Mazrog in that he's super tanky. Uh, he's much faster, but a little bit easier to kill. Um, and he just, you know, gets the party started because um, nothing else in this army is really tanky enough to take a hit. Gaskell is fantastic. He hits ungodly hard. He makes great use of the Here We Go stratagem for extra movement. He gives the entire army lethal hits on the Wog turn. He's gross. Um, and then the last thing is Mega Knobs. Mega Knobs are really good um, for a couple of reasons. The first of which is that they actually can hit into tough targets. Um, they have both the AP and the reroll to wound to, um, you know, once they cross the threshold of the hit step, uh, they they just always make contact on the opponent, which is excellent. Um, and the other thing is they're really tough. You know, usually once orcs commit, you can kind of like chip them away and mow them down with a bunch of like auto cannons or random weapons can kill orcs here and there. Megadoms don't really die to that stuff. You actually have to put real guns into them. So they're another great unit that orc players should consider. Very cool. And do you just, just have the one by five? I know you had two units in your list for quite a while there. Oh yes. Uh, that is a typo. I also have three additional mega knobs to join to Gaskell. Um, that's because they'll give Gaskell devastating wounds on the walk turn and Gaskell will give them plus one hit and wood. Oh, you're sick in the three five. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I had three five man, but a two man. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. sick. And the five man goes with the uh, mega boss here. Just be the absolute smash squad. Hell yeah, yep. dude. Sweet. Cool. Well, let's break on into our first uh, round. Oh, we got we got the sick picture of uh, of Lucas's uh, Death Killer War trait like here. You want to talk a little bit about this guy, Lucas? Yeah. Um, so I was very excited. I randomly became excited about this project after kind of having a little bit of a mental, like it's, it's you know internal come to Jesus moment with myself of like I am I am one of Team USA's orc players, and I hate eighty percent of the units in this index. Um, so I need to kind of make some kind of uh, leniencies at some point and, and run some models that I kind of hate. Um, and really what's holding me back is I hate the look of the models. So I pride myself on my ability to convert. So let's convert up something cool and, uh, and build something that looks goffy. So I dug into the funny box, which is a box of old miniatures we bought from my buddy Dan way back in the day. Found his Death Killer War Trike, got it hobbied up and looking like a proper goth. And this guy looks way cooler now than the than the actual GW model. I think looks like a piece of shit. Hell yeah, dude! Very. Uh, I think there's something special about this uh, model too. Do we want to talk about maybe something cool that it did at the tournament? I think that might be coming later, but uh, there was yeah. a uh, there was both best painted and uh, best painted model to be given away at this tournament. So we'll talk about awards at the end. Very sick. Sweet. Well, let's jump right on in. Our round one here is ah, uh, we're going right into the right into the right into the um, 
into the thick of it, as it were. Starting off with Purge the Foe, it's the worst mission. It's so bad. I hate it. I hate it so much. Stop. Uh, Crucible of Battle Chilling Rain. Um, and round one, I get thrown directly into uh, T-Suns, which is an okay matchup at best, um, but on this mission is utterly terrible. Uh, Tanner, you're a cast player. Why don't you run us through this Thousand Suns list here? What do we... Uh... Yeah, it's Arm on a disc. It's Exalted Sork with a crystal. Exalted Sork on disc. Mag. 10 dudes of flamers, 15 dudes with bolters, pretty weird. 10 zangors of beast is good, cultists are good, and two brigands. I don't know what this is supposed to do. I got to be honest. I didn't understand it when I saw it. So only you know the secrets of this, of this Warpcraft. Yeah, I'll tell you exactly what he did. He deployed on the line, went first, and ran at me with everybody. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> Which is... <laughs> I, Whenever someone does that to me, especially with a lit with an, a faction that like is not designed to do that, I have to like take a step back and be like, "Hmm, is this man like a monkey, or is this man like 4D chessing, realizing that that is absolutely the correct play into me?" And like, there's no middle ground. Those are the only two kinds of people who do that to me. Um, and it doesn't matter. The result is the same. I get run over. Uh, going second with if the with the unending swarm is always is sketchy at best. Um, this is our worst mission. It's impossible for us to get primary on it and our ability to deny primary, which is best in class becomes unimportant. Um, so is a bit of a mess. Um, I tried to pull off some clever stuff and it really did not matter. I've got the scorecard up here for you. Uh, you can see the primary differential there. That's kind of most of the game. Um, he does also have Doomy on secondaries, but you know, at the end of the, end of the day, that, that is what it is. The primary differential of 12 whole points is just, like, not a thing that I can uh, come back from. I did not score kill on three different turns, on two different turns. Like, is real bad. Uh, we can line up as many Exocrine shots as we want. If he makes his four-up involves, it just it just kind of is what it is. Um, nice, kind investigate, of rough... nice investigate signals for eight on turn three. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was that was a that was a cool maneuver. Um, I ended up uh, I had like my venom throws pre-measured to do my backfield quadrant. I dropped a spore mine in the top left, and then I had a ten man gargoyle and the twenty man gargoyle both just drop in and say, "What are you going to do about it? We're scoring investigate. That's it." Because at the end of the day, I have to go for as many seconders as I can to have a chance to win this game. Um, and uh, yeah, they they do what they can. Um, it doesn't end up mattering, unfortunately. So we're going down early. Uh, I knew this was in the packet. I knew it was something I was going to have to deal with. I was kind of hoping because it was round one that I would get a nice tee up uh, into uh, maybe an army that I play really well into or just something that I know what to do with and can get some hold mores out of it because um, it is early on. Maybe I get a, a newer player. But, yeah, no, this is uh, kind of the worst of all worlds uh, combined, and there was, there was not much of an out that I could see. Sweet. Um, this is Nick, by contrast, uh, is playing into a uh, very interesting list here. Uh, Lucas, do you know a thing or two about uh, Vanguard Space Marines? I've seen you play that army before. What is Chuck just about this Dark Angel list that Nick is running into? Because it's pretty sick. Sure. So Nick's opponent is running um, the Vanguard Spearhead Space Marine Detachment. He has Lionel Johnson, a Judiciary with Blade Driven Deep. I actually really like that pick. Lone Op Lieutenant, uh, six Blade Guard Veterans, two two squads of three eradicators, three and six plasma inceptors. 
three bolter interceptors, two squads of five infiltrators. Again, really like this tech. Um, I think the infiltrator type ability is really valuable in the meta right now for all codexes that have it. Um, a land raider redeemer, a Kalidus assassin, and four inquisitorial henchmen. So a nice mix of uh, space marine good stuff. Oh yeah, dude. Um, this is uh, basically building this list. I was like, I really hope I don't run into good Overwatch or infiltrators, and I instantly match into both. Um, the Redeemer being very good at Overwatching the twenty deep striking warriors. This game was very weird, where we both showed up, and I'm like, yeah, I haven't um, like been to a GT since like November. Like I missed the one in December, and he's like, yeah, I haven't been to one since October. And like, so like, all right, we've been doing some practice games, but like, nice to meet you. Like, good morning. Um, you know, and we both looked at each other's lists and we're like, we have no concept of like what our lists are about to do to each other. And he went first and I'm like, ooh, bummer, dude. Um, I get to, because we both have uppy downies, like mine's at the end of his turn, his is at the end of my fight phase. Um, so since I went second, I get to actually do a turn one. Um, and also we're playing kill mission. So since I went second, I get like, eight primary for free because the mission's not very balanced around killing turn one. Um, yeah, he just drives the land raider to the middle and I like teleport my whole army to shoot the land raider and it doesn't kill it because he just makes all of his saves. It's sad, you know, even though the king's got ignore modifier odd, uh, more, ignore modifier aura so he can't smoke or AOC. Um, but hey, you can't stop uh, five up saves and cover. So here's what it is. Um, yeah, he then gets all of his eradicators out and shoots them all at the king. And I make like every four up invul and we just stare there looking at each other. And then the real fun begins as the void dragon walks to the middle of the board, bashes the hell out of the land raider. The land raider explodes, does like 20 mortals to our whole army. His blade guard veteran come out. His whole army shoots the void dragon. The void dragon explodes, does like 20 mortals to our armies again. Um, and at that point it's like, he doesn't have a lot of stuff left. Um, this was actually, Something that I've heard a lot of people complaining about on the internet is like the Catan three inch deep striking all the time, which I wasn't really finding to happen that often. Usually like your three inch deep striking is something much more useful, like the Warriors. But this definitely was one game where I found like the being able to reposition Catan was actually super effective. I deployed the Nightbringer in such a way that it was like threatening infiltrators down on the bottom right. And he deployed the Lion to come like duel the Nightbringer. And after I like I pulled the, the Lion that way, I just picked up the Nightbringer and brought it to the like other side of the board and the lion, you know, stuck down there. So, uh, yeah, I, I did realize, you know, like, okay, yeah, the, the repositioning of a unit that's usually locked to a six inch move, um, pretty, pretty darn good. <laughs> Even if you're not using the three inch deep strike, just be able to reposition it and strap reserve it. So yeah. Um, not like a super crazy game here. Um, yeah, I think I ended up going, yeah, 8955. I ended up picking tactical. <laughs> this is a very funny game with tactical. Um, where I kept getting like some kill ones early game that I couldn't score because he wasn't really exposing like, you know, characters. Um, I couldn't like get to the middle of the board exactly. Um, and then I tabled him like turn four and I drew like storm hostile, bring it down to the end of the game. And I'm like, well, I can't score either of these. So that's, that's how it'd be. Um, yeah. So very fun game. Um, also plasceptors scepters are still insane, dude. He shot his Redeemer at my Locusts and killed one and a half. And then he shot a three-man squad of Planet Scepters, which has six shots at my five-man Locust squad. Killed all five of them. <laughs> six hits, oh, six wounds, man. six failed saves. All right, dude. Sounds good. Get Plasma on. Unit, that unit's pretty funny, so. Um, so, yeah. Good, good first game. Um, 
good first round. Very nice. Sweet. Let's keep it rolling. Uh, Death Guard versus Orcs. I assume this is Tanner on the Death Guard and not Lucas on the Orcs. Lucas, break down this Orc list for us. What does Tanner have to deal with? So this is Orcs played by uh, a good friend, Zach Coddington, who is one of the up-and-comer Orc players in Portland. Uh, he's definitely been learning to play the army really well. Excited to hear how this game goes. He's got a Squig Boss, Snickrot, Badrook, Mazrog, two Smashing Knobs, one armed with Headwapper's Kill Chopper, two War Bosses, and a Weird Boy. So that is nine characters. Okay. Uh, awesome, awesome Orc moment. Two trucks, ten flash kits. He's got Squad of Gretchen. Two squads of five knobs, two squads of six squid hogs, and five storm boys. How'd this game go, Tanner? All right. I'm going to talk about this one a bit because I think every other one of my games till the end plays really similarly. Uh, I was scared of this game. I initially paired into Warwick. Our buddy was playing two redeemers, and I was like, oh, please no. And then they repaired us to start the day, and I got Zach, who's my new nemesis. I met Zach at Rosehammer. We played a game. We had a lot of fun. I taught him melee movement. And then I played him in an RTT a month ago, and he was like, I'm good now. I was like, oh, I didn't know in time. And he bodied me. And so we're like, okay, here we go. This is tiebreaker. Um, I didn't want to give up kills, so I hit a lot of my army. I deep struck all the Terminators. I think this is the one game I deep struck Typhus in. Uh, so I have just like 1,000 points in the sky or as close to as my list can manage. And I set up such that if anything could be seen by his uh, flash kits, it was Morty barely. And I was like, okay, I'm going to move out. <laughs> I get to go first. Do you want to wad turn one? No. Okay, I'm going to go stage. Do you want to shoot Morty with your flash kits and get him out of the truck? And then I passed to him. I'm like, here's the, here's the choice. And Zach was like, I do want to shoot Morty with the flash kits. It was, it was like tight. And that did basically nothing to Morty, which was even cooler. And then I was like, would you like to wad this turn? Because now we're kind of danger close. Um, and this is, I think, the theme of my whole tournament is people have just like forgotten how hard Death Guard hits. So I was standing within range to run some Plague Marines out of Rhinos and shoot at stuff and have some long charges. And he was like, I don't think you'll just full send your army up the board right now, top two. And so he didn't wah, and Zach was wrong in this case. And I did full send my army up the board, and I dropped all of my deep strikes, and I put everything on the board, I like ran the brigands in straight lines into his army. Um, I think I, oh, and I and I committed three death shroud and a termisork to go kill this one weird boy in the back because that could like deeply traumatize me with a weird boy the previous game, or like went into my backfield and I never I couldn't I havoced it for like three turns and I could remove this guy, so I did like twenty five damage to this weird boy to start and I was like good it's going really good I probably overcommitted units here I hope I don't lose for that. Um, and I think at the end of that turn, I picked up all the flash kits, like a bajillion squig hog boys, another truck, not, uh, like a squad of Gretchen. What else is in this list? Maybe some, maybe some, um, potentially are there, they're knobs in here, right? Yeah. I think I got a knob squad too. And I had like 10 plague Marines standing on a midfield objective, 10 plague Marines standing on another objective, both of with five first, my army's taken no damage. And he was like, yeah, yikes. I was like, yep. Um, I think that was a really tough spot for Zach because if he did wall, I was just going to stand there and rhinos for a turn. So that's pretty rough. That orc mechanic is not ideal. We had a really fun game. Um, 
and no one's ready to get shot by plague marines i don't know why you guys are all used to it because i've played plague marines for a long time but i try to tell every opponent that every like it's a shooting unit pretending to be a melee army um and it is and it just it shoots everything in front of it to death almost regardless of the target because it barely rolls to wound half the damage is in mortals yeah it was pretty tight i really like this was a good start because i was really scared of orcs and this was a good warm-up because my next game is also going to be orcs so those are good very nice. cool lucas how do you think uh from an orcs perspective you respond to that dilemma do you think you call the wah and try to deal with the transports anyway one way or another or do you think you just sort of accept the reality of what's about to happen because evidently it didn't work out so well for zach this time um it's really tough uh the the combination of i mean going to sec going second is nice for scoring for zach but it really means his army mechanic doesn't work and it's already a fairly death guard favored matchup mostly yeah, just so, because yeah. you have to fight in contagion range it's yep. super rough um, I don't know if you took minus one weapon skill ballistic skill tanner here, yep. but that is an ability that absolutely punishes the hell out of orcs. Yep. Um, so uh, I personally have found some success. Uh, I, the the best sh uh, thing you can really try to do here is try to isolate parts of the Death Guard army. Don't let them ball up. Um, try to fight them all over the place because the one advantage you do have is speed. Um, so like once the fighting has started, try to like take over little pockets of the board and, and isolate the fights a little bit. If you can bog Morty down more, they have no way to fall back and shoot, fall back and charge. So you can just charge Morty with like five storm boys in a car and he has to decide to either sweep or stab. And regardless of the choice, he's going to be in combat with one of those units at the end of the turn. Right. So you, you've guaranteed tied him down for a turn, things like that to try to try to just play the mobility is, is really what you need to do here. Yeah, I want, I want to say one more thing, I think, in the Orc matchup, because if you're an Orc player, like, you're going to see Death Guard now, they're totally back. There, There's, like, two pieces of tech in my list that are really good into Orcs, and I put them in because Lucas and I talked about it when we found this Terminator Sorcerer. Like, that guy seems both cracked and good into Orcs. Um, Zag was stuck if he did commit that I'd be ingressing on him the next turn with Deshroud, which is, like, a big nightmare for Orcs. And the two Terminator Sorcerers and uh, Typhus. Typhus makes your squad innately minus two to hit in melee. The Termis Orcs make it minus one, but damage minus one, probably. So those three squads were probably excessive in most of the games, but into Orcs, I thought that was like just such a crippling trio of units. I don't know how they're supposed... It's like if you don't get Mazrog into it, you're never going to kill these nine idiot Terminators who are just like slogging their way through your whole army. And the yeah, Death Guard Termis Sorcerers short, shoot like five gets to death or something too. It's a nightmare. Pistol flamers that shoot really hard and punch really hard are impossible to kill. It's like a horrific combination. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, very well played by both of y'all. So end of round one, <clears throat> I have fallen, but my brothers, sorry. What? You got one more game, right? Oh, we got to talk about Lucas. Sorry. So excited about telling orcs over here. Uh, close game. Only a, only a 13-7 there at the end of that after um, that being such a, an awful matchup in the first place. And that's the job, Zach. Uh, Lucas now is going to get to run uh, his orcs into the Vanguard Space Marines. Um, I'll run through this list because I know it very well. Uh, he's got a Harmacist. He's got a Captain and Gravis armor with the blade gri driven deep. Uh, using the Gravis Captain instead of where I think a lot of people use Marius Calgar um, in this kind of a build. Um, but the free strat access uh, can provide a lot of utility there. We got a Phobos Livy with the Fire and Fade um, 
enhancement, which is real great. He's going to join to a squad of five either infiltrators or incursors that we'll hear about later. Giving an infiltrator unit loan op, very good. Giving it also fire and fade, maybe even better. We got the classic loan op lieutenant with combi weapon who has the vect ability to make one of your stratagems slightly more expensive. That's a, a staple here. We have the six-man bolter aggressor unit for the harm assist and the gravis captain to join to be just an absolute death ball. Two squads of three eliminators. These are all sniper rifles. Uh, three plasma inceptors, three bolter inceptors, five incursors, two squads of five infiltrators. Uh, so everyone appears to have gotten the memo about infiltrators. A brutalist dreadnought. I think it's so cool. Um, and then some armored fire support in the form of two gladiator lancers and a repulsor executioner. That's a whole lot of bullets. Lucas, what are you going to do about that? It's an interesting matchup. Um, Vanguard are kind of tricky because they have that runaway stratagem, but uh, this guy's uh, my opponent here, Jason Lawrence, has a very unique list in that there's a little, there's like a fair amount of trash, right? He's got six inceptors. He's got a bunch of Phobos dudes to stand around on the board. He's got these three tanks to shoot you with and a Brutalis, and then he's got the one brick of aggressors. So there's really only three things in the list. There's the brick, there's the trash, and then there's the three backline units. So uh, in those kind of instances, you want to just remove one of the parts from the equation and then just try to uh, exploit that advantage as much as possible. What he did here was play all of his trash really far forward to move block me. This actually gave me an advantage because I went second. What I was able to do was walk out on turn one, charge all of his trash, kill all of it except for the one unit that ran away. And then on turn two, I was standing right in front of his entire army, wog, and then he can't deal with all the stuff and then I can kind of beat him down from there. Um, so, uh, even though he killed the vast majority of my army by the end of the game, because I killed all of his trash early, he just wasn't able to score any points. And we'll see that when we look at the scorecard here, um, like 30 points for Vanguard on secondary is really not that good. Uh, and you want to be able to get kill more against all of these units of like, you know, storm boys and trucks and stuff like that after the water ends. And he just wasn't really able to do that, uh, in the mid to late game. Um, so yeah, it was a fun game, a uh, good game to Jason. But um, yeah, using all of your trash that aggressively is is really rough. And this is one, one game that really showcases the strength of some of the... Uh, we talk about... Um, uh, oh, shoot, what was it? There's, uh, there's some other faction that like... There's some units that are very reliant on the army mechanic and others that are not at all reliant on it. I forget which one it was, but it's a great parallel for orcs because for orcs, there are some units that absolutely need the wall to do their thing, like uh, knobs, for example. They just absolutely—they're a punching unit that does not punch when the wall is not active. Um, but in my list, there's a lot of units that are not wall reliant. Uh, one of them is the flash kits. It's a predominantly shooting unit that still hits basically as hard as it does uh, when the wall isn't active as when it is. So, uh, and then Mazrog as well. He doesn't really get anything from the wall. The Death Killer Warstrike also doesn't really get anything from the wall. So these are all units that you can skirmish with early and try to freak your opponent out and start to uh, peel up resources. And I use them all this game to just run forward, soak up fire, and then like divert attention away from my more important units um, that then got the benefits of the wall. Meganobs are another great unit that does not rely on the wall to, uh, to do most of their damage. The extra attack is really nice, but they're still strength 12 without it. So uh, it's pretty good there. Yeah, good game overall. Very cool. So now, correction, uh, we've gotten through round one. Uh, my three brothers are moving on one and oh, and I have tragically fallen 
to the dogs. We'll see what's happening in our second round. We're playing Take and Hold, Hammer and Anvil, and Hidden Supplies. This is a pretty popular way to play Hammer and Anvil. The six objectives gives you some asymmetry, which we really appreciate. Um, and Take and Hold is a good old-fashioned primary. Nothing crazy uh, there. Uh, and we're starting off with myself now playing into uh, Vanguard. And um, you might know a thing or two about this Vanguard list because it's actually the exact guy that Lucas just played into. So I will spare you uh, rereading that list again. Uh, but Lucas knocked him down to me. Uh, this is a very scary thing for me to play into in concept. Um, it has a lot of bullets. Um, and tanks with a lot of bullets are not a super common thing outside of like a land raider redeemer perhaps. Um, so the repulsors and the gladiators pose like a very particular challenge that is not super common out there in that it's a thing with a lot of guns that exocrines really can't remove. Uh, so we're going to have to get pretty clever here if we're going to, if we're going to figure out what we're going to do. I'm going to go ahead and flip right on over to this uh, spot here. Um, I will comment that these, uh, these GW boards are laid out off of the NTL guidelines, which are not actually accurate. We later figured out. Um, uh, so this isn't quite layout one, but it's close enough. Uh, I started off um, with uh, Neurolictor in that center ruin and Death Leaper just sort of in the pocket of the bottom L. Uh, and he said, I ain't scared of you, and slammed down his aggressor brick right in the middle uh, behind his L, and then turn one draws uh, area denial and deploy teleport homer, moves the tank in to deploy the teleport homer, and that brick just says, we're area denialing. Shoots Death Leaper to death, charges the Neurolictor, punches him in the face, and T-poses in the center of the table. And I'm like, oh man, that is not how I wanted to start this game. Um, very exciting. Uh, but in doing so, he basically moved his tanks over to where you can see them right now. The two at the top with the Repulsor Executioner and the Lancer, and the one in the middle with the Lancer. And those tanks basically are not going to be allowed to move for the remainder of the game. Um... And moving this tank in early on to get that deploy teleport homer is basically going to lose him the game. Uh, we line up all our exocrines, take shots at, at the uh, aggressors, and we managed to kill all six aggressors, which was super awesome. Uh, and then he gets left with basically his Harmacist, who is OC9 now, because he killed the Neuroelector in combat, uh, on one objective and his Gravis Captain on the other, and this is where Hormagons get to shine. A Gravis Captain moves 5, is on a 40 mil base, so he's really, really easy to true wrap if you have a big squad. That's exactly what the Hormagons go for. They blitz out, they wrap him more than 3 inches across. Uh, my base is an inch and a quarter. His base is over an inch, and he only moves five. So, like, I don't need to wrap that deep for him to be unable to end that fallback outside of an inch. As a result, we're locking down on that objective. That primary is going to be good for a minute. He's going to slowly start wading through, but it's going to take a long time. Um, and Gargoyles are going to keep tagging that tank. Uh, what you can see right here is what happened on the next turn after uh, a lot of, of damage had been done. Um, the Gargoyles, the 20-man, after being uh, ruthlessly slaughtered, uh, is able to come back down here and just chill on this objective. right? Like, There's not a ton that he can do about it because the only guns that he has are all way over here. And this tank right here is going to end up... Uh, it doesn't even end up in combat. It's just going to end up being move-blocked by the Gargoyles over here, who uh, blitzed up to this position where the big squad is, turn one, and then blitz over, take his home field, deny uh, that primary, and then fire and fade out to block this tank. And he just doesn't have any way to get over here other than dropping Bolter Inceptors. And Bolter Inceptors don't kill 20 Gargoyles. Um, and I've set up such that he can't drop on the objective.
bit of a problem. Um, what I don't have of a picture of, sadly, is the greatest play that I pulled this event, which is the following turn after he moves up a little bit forward with that tank, trying to get it fully centralized, which is that this squad of gargoyles blitzes toward that home field, charges the tank, wraps the tank, holds both midfield objectives and my opponent's home field objective all at once while there are models on all three of those objectives. Just takes all of them out from under him. Holds him to a zero on primary on, uh, on turn uh, four there. It was beautiful, and it was actually excellent because our buddy Harry and his girlfriend just walked in as I'm about to move this unit, and like, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Harry. How are you doing? Watch this, um, and then got very excited. Um, this was a lot of fun. Uh, something, something that you should be doing as an Endless Swarm player uh, is pre-measuring distances to objectives, and something, one more thing I want to mention here before I stop talking about this silly game uh, is that on this layout, using this this particular set of terrain, uh, the edge of this objective is just within 12 inches of my side of this wall, um, the one right in front of the repulsor executioners. So the entire game, I'm sitting a squad of gaunts right behind that wall, knowing that at a moment's notice, basically on turn five, I just spend one CP and appear on the objective, and I don't have to worry about anything else. Um, but yeah, we just repeatedly kept coming up. Uh, he has a lot of shots, but they come from several units, so we're able to use the Brood Surge to very effectively mitigate the shooting, um, and the Turvagon is just spawning guys back. We just keep hammering all of the primary. I've just got a Neuroelector camping on my home field. He eventually drops some Inceptors who fail to kill it. Um, deny, 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 deny. We're able to pull a full 50 primary here and 31 secondary. Final score 91 to 60. Well played by Jason, um, but this kind of lack of mobility is the kind of thing that the Swarm loves to prey on. And uh, this was a great example of how GW layouts can be more dense than they might appear uh, in that this, this left objective seems entirely unguarded, but it's actually totally safe. So shout out to the people who make GW layouts because uh, I like them quite a lot. Sweet. Heading up next, uh, Necrons into Votan. At least one of these people is Nick. Um, you are or yourself the resident Votan expert, Nick. So why don't you go ahead and run us through... Uh, and this is this is Mr. Siebert's list, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what an absolute king. What's he got going on? What an absolute high call, dude. Um, so I give this list one appraising glare. You know, one very appraising glare. Um, so John has been rocking the double tonks for a while, um, which are, I think, pretty darn good on GW boards. The Hecatonk didn't get any points changes at all in the slate, um, but I think that with Sagittarius going up, um, and especially if you're playing on more open terrain formats like UKTC or GW, um, or if you're playing player place for some reason, then um, the fort gets a lot of value and it's definitely worth looking into. Um, so yeah, without further ado, let's go through this list. So we got an Iron Master with Grim Demeanor. The Iron Master is the guy who leads the Thunderkin. Um, Grim Demeanor is the ignore all modifiers, working as intended now. Uh, he's got two Vine here champs, one with Axe, one with Hammer. The one with the Hammer has Appraising Glare, which is the Glare at Objectives Enhancement. He's got two squads of 10 Kin. He's got two Sagittars, so this guy is not a Sagittar spam uh, aficionado. Uh, six Gravkin, two squads of Zerkers, one with Axes, one with Mauls. Two squads of five Volkite Hearthguard, two fortresses with the beam and the bolt cannons, uh, and two squads of three bikes. Um, yeah, it's a pretty well-rounded list. It's got a little bit of everything. It's good at punching hard because it's got vote, uh, you know, the the judgment tokens, and um, he's got good horde clearing in the Volkite Hearthguard and the Axe Zerker squad. So yeah, 
Um, this list or this matchup is a little interesting. Um, in general, I feel like my list really wants to go second um, so that I can up you down a turn one. Um, and especially what I was saying earlier on in the episode, this list is very greedy. I felt like it did not really have enough trash units to like go out and do secondaries early. Like if I draw something like area denial, you know, extend battle lines turn one. It's a little scary because my only trash unit I can really throw away turn one is that solo locust destroyer. Okay. You know, I was really hurting for some tomb blades or something. It's something I instantly realized. Um, I, you want to go with the scorecard real quick here? I, I think secondaries were kind of my bane in this game here. Yeah. Like uh, I drew engage turn one. Um, I drew assassination turn two. Um, so yeah, this was definitely a game where I kind of, my rule of thumb for hypercrypt has been like, just ditch secondaries. You can't score, like get your CP out of it. Um, and like, you'll probably draw something you can score because that was my experience with the monolith lists, which was the only list I played before this. Uh, I hadn't actually really practiced the king list. So this was game two with it. A uh, little, <laughs> little bit of a, you know, unwise decision. But what I found with that list was you could just draw whatever secondaries you scored most of the time. Um, this one, I definitely should have considered holding on to some secondaries. Um, so this was a three point game into John. Um, most of this game was me trying to hold him off of primary, which is pretty hard because like it's taken hold six objectives. Um, and he has this horrifying unit of Thunderkin with Overwatch on fives, which will absolutely mess up my warriors if they three inch deep strike anywhere near them um, because they ignore the AOC that Zeris gives them and they've got blast. Um, so most of the game was me trying to avoid that while also trying to deny his primary. And as you can see from the primary scores at the end of the game, he's five, five and then 15, 15, because at that point he, every turn is basically just barely killing a Catan to the wound. This is a very swingy game. Uh, very fun game. Um, definitely my favorite game of the tournament. So thank you, John, um, for a fantastic game. Um, but I, I, I learned a lot of cool things from it. Um, end of the game there, uh, I had a Storm Hostel on turn four. I couldn't score, and I ditched it, thinking I'd get something easier. I should have just looked at what I had. Storm Hostel would have been easy, just three-inch deep strike a unit on an objective and steal it um, on turn five. So, yeah, uh, good lessons to learn. Learned a lot of cool stuff about Votan that's pretty effective in Necron. So I'm excited to test some new Votan lists uh, this coming weekend. So, yeah. Hell yeah, man. Uh, very cool. Love to see one coming down to the wire like that. And always great when you get to learn about your army and your opponent's army. Or, well, both of your, you know what I'm saying. Very cool. Huge shout out to John. Um, I think this is only the second time we've played. Um, but we talked a lot at the tournaments we've gone to. He has gotten so much better in just like the year since I've met him. And also like a very pleasant player to play into. Um, everything is like super well-declared intent. Um, very communicative. This game went by like without a hitch. Like I, I, it was great. Just felt super smooth. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, the game is over. That was crazy. Super fun. John's fantastic. Fantastic. Love that guy. I'm sure he'll be back later in the show. Uh, sweet. Up next, we got Death Guard versus Orcs. There are Orcs on the screen, so I assume this is Tanner's Orc rematch, round two. Ding, ding goes the bell. Lucas, what kind of Orcs we got this time? We got Tarzan's legendary Orc list, baby. We got a Beast Boss. We got Bazruk. Bazruk. Badruk. We got Mazra. Even I, even I can't pronounce the names right. Smashing up with Headwapas, Kill Chapa. A Pain Boss. I like the Pain Boss. We got a war boss with follow me lads, two squads of snagger boys, 10 flash gets, 10 knobs, two squads of 10 Gretchen, 
Six Squigogs. That's right, boys. I'm skipping around. And we got the Gargantuan Squigoth. The Gargussy Squigussy. How'd this game go, Tanner? This game was really scary. Uh, the first turn for both of us was very similar, where I think I went first again, and I rolled out, and then he staged, and we got to turn two. And I was like, do you want to walk? And he was like, yeah. And then I spent like 10 minutes hemming and hawing over if I was going to commit or if I was going to just drive the rhinos backwards for a turn. I was like, man, Tarzan really baited me. And he looked at me as he did it, and I knew he was doing it. And he put Mazrag right in the middle of the board. He was like, this is an easy charge. And he put like 10 Snagaboys in a wall that I could charge through to. Super close. I'm like, I have to do it. I'll never get a better shot. So I lined up two brigands, 20 plague marines, and Morty's gun into Maz because I've like never one rounded that guy. And I also I had like Morty could shoot some squig hawks. All my guns are aimed at this one guy. And the first squad of plague marines just kills Mazrog. And I was like, hmm. Well, the rest of my shooting army has no targets. Oops. It's okay. I'll dig myself out with this sick double charge. I'm going to get into both Snaga boys and I'm going to fill the middle of the board with a bunch of Plague Marines. And that squig, the, the big squig is never getting in the middle. I'm thinking I'm so smart still. And then I charged him and then he heroic me with the big squig. And I just was like, oh yeah, that's a model that can use strats. This is super bad. And so on my top of two, he killed like 15 Plague Marines. And I was like, oh no. And in exchange, I'd killed like four snagga boys out of two squads two squigs and mazrog and i'm like oh that's probably game and he came down and hit me really hard with his flash kits and he charged one of my rhinos with a bunch of knobs and i was like now sir it's my turn to hiroki with typhus's death shroud unit and then tarzan got to spend a minute being like fuck no it's happening to me too so we each, like, we had a really fun game. Tarzan's great to play. He's really good, and he's a lot of fun to play the game with. I think, uh, and Tarzan, if you ever hear this, no hate. I think we both just played kind of bad. Like, we had a little too much fun and played a little too YOLO. And at the end, both of us were looking back like, man, we didn't micro-melee very well the whole game. We kind of made bad melee choices across the board. And I had more units. At the end, he had a squick goth standing on two objectives in the middle, and I had more units than that. I was like, there we go. It was really stressful. I thought I'd thrown the tournament getting heroic. And I was like, no, not like this, you know? And then he also felt that way. So like it was, it was a quick karmic circle. I couldn't believe that it had like 12 damage, three sweeps. I was like, it might be more. It might've been like 18. It was an unfathomable amount of attacks to one hit a squad of plague marines. I've never seen that happen before to one unit. Like, that was the game. <laughs> it was really fun. It was really goofy. It That's does it. indeed have 18 sweeps. Yep. The Gargantuan Squigoth is is quite a real unit, I will say, for those who haven't seen it. Um, the only bummer is that it is utterly ginormous. So mm -hmm. depending on the terrain format you play on, it is either hilariously a meme pick or an like unplayable garbage. Yeah. Um, but utterly on gargantuan, you might say. Nice. Definitely. You might you might say that um, if you were Tyler Bortel. Um, but yeah, it's a funny unit. I should say orc players out there, if you want to play this, in my head, I was like, easy clap. He's going to put it in the middle. I'm going to kill it. Game's going to be over. Tarzan didn't do that. He put it on the side and marched it up as its own thing and then played the rest of his army on the other side and in buildings. And it went from like, 
what an easy giant pile of wounds. Like, I can't commit 1,400 points to this flank to fight this giant dinosaur. <laughs> and then it killed almost my whole army for, like, four turns. So, yeah, it's way more real than it looks. That's like a... You truly have to respect that thing. Yeah. I really yeah. like that as a strategy, that he's basically saying, hey, you can bet the farm on beating the Squigoth, or you can ignore the Squigoth, and there is no in-between. Yep. And, yeah, you don't bet the farm. That'd be crazy. Um so yeah, very cool. Very exciting. Sweet. So Nick joins me in the 1-1 one, one bracket as Lucas and uh, Tanner move on uh, to finish out. No, wait, damn it. Luca, Tan, Lucas hasn't played his game yet. All right. So uh, I'm so used to there being three people on this podcast. Is this um, the new bit? <laughs> um Anyway, uh, so I got to play Lucas's round one opponent, and funnily enough, Lucas also gets to play my round one opponent. So you've heard this T-Suns list before. Um, he deployed on the line and went mega aggro against me, so I'm sure he played super back and defensive and KG against you? No, sir. Uh, this game, I went first, which I absolutely needed to. Well, I don't know if I needed to, but it was super uh, interesting. This game was over in literally uh, a turn and a half. I think it was like in maybe an hour of Warhammer total. Um, let me break down the series of events for you. I go first. I'm like, okay, Flash gets get the trading started. The Flash gets dump out. They gun down five dudes in airmen. He's like, haha, you've fallen for my bait, you absolute baboon. Uh, he moves everything directly toward me. His teleport squad goes into my backfield to kill 10 Gretchen. Nice. Good trade there, buddy. Uh, I overwatch his Mutal of Vortex Beast, get it to two wounds. It then fails like a six-inch rollable charge and standing right in front of my army. Magnus runs toward the Flash Kits and Thunder Punches. Then he's like, ha-ha, now you can't win, dude. I know how important the Flash Kits are. Wog, I kill, I table him. Amazing. Nice. Nice. At the end of, at the, end of the top of two, he had ten rubrics left. <laughs> I've been this teeth. Thank you for avenging me, brother. <laughs> Dude, this hurts to hear. Lucas, you've done this to me in like every iteration of T Suns that I've ever played across every edition. I'm like, check out this cool new T Suns list, and you run at it with orcs, and the entire army dies in one turn. Like, this is just a classic cursed T Sun interaction. Yeah. They, I mean, AOW does describe T Suns as like the doomsday device, and that pretty is pretty apt here because like a green gorilla just like broke into the lab, stole the thing that they were trying to build, and like smashed it over the ground, and then like jumped out of the fucking fire escape exit. <laughs> Fantastic! All right, so like I was trying. To, oh my god. god! Oh my god! <laughs> For those of y'all not joining us on YouTube, the score at the end of the game is 100 to 18. Trimble score. Yumi flattened. <laughs> he scored three on behind bottom one and five primary turn two because you let him have his home field once. Okay. Nice job, Lucas. <laughs> Great. So as I was trying to say earlier, um, Nick and I, I, I fallen down under 1-1, Lucas and Tanner advancing 2-0, heading into the final round of the first day. Uh, we are playing uh, Scorched Earth, uh, Dawn of Wah, uh, Chilling Rain. Um, this is one of the missions of all time. Yeah, uh, like that, baby, this is yeah. not I think as we've discussed, this is not nearly as bad if you use actual layout one, but with NTL layout one, it's sketchy. So I get to pair in to uh, my boy Owen. Owen, 
absolute oot king. Uh, he's like 14 years old, but he plays like a person, which is crazy. I didn't when I was 14. <laughs> I'm thinking back to Lucas and Is and I playing Warhammer on uh, on his dining room table at 14, like lobbing crisis suits at battle wagons. Like this. I'm very impressed that a, that a kid this age plays at the level that he does. We've played a couple times now. Um, he's real into this particular style of Death Guard with a whole bunch of vehicles. Um, he uh, Tanner, as the resident Death Guard player, could you walk us through this list and uh, give us some brief thoughts on it? Yeah, I've actually spent a decent amount of time talking Death Guard lists with Owen at tournaments before. Um, we've played a Death Guard mirror. Uh, I know that he both loves this list and also like hates how it doesn't work sometimes. I've played this list with him. Uh, it's two Putrefires, two Felblight Spawn, because he has two good squads of Plague Marines. He has two by 10 Cultists, and the Death Guard ones are good, and they scout. The Haulers are weird. I've been there. Uh, oh, and you shouldn't do it. They look so cool, but they just—they're not there. Two by ten poxwalkers, two by three nerglings, and three brigands. It's pretty good. Yeah. And uh, that was in total five of these blight haulers, two, two, one. <laughs> yeah. um, which at a hundred points a model, that is a full quarter of his list devoted to these guys that just kind of exist, waddle around. Um, what I will say, what they do really effectively is say contagion is here and you will not be removing it. Thank you very much, which is very annoying to deal with. I probably go one or two solos and call it a day. If I really want to take them going with the full five, uh, a bit much. Um, and they end up really impeding him here because man, does that unit love to get wrapped? Um, so we had a we had a really uh, really fun game. I went third for the third time in a row. But I think I actually want I went third for the third I went second for the third time in a row this day. <laughs> um, and man, was I hoping that I could go first here because this is an army that does not have any kind of movement or any kind of of output that clears a squad of gargs, and he would just have never left his DZ. I will also say that the best part of this game, honestly, was when we were selecting doing pregame stuff, and he said, "I say I'll take tactical," and he's got his little tablet out, and he has um, uh, deploy teleport homers already selected for his fixed, and he's like, "So what's your bring it down count?" And I tell him it's fifteen. Okay, and what's your assassinate count? And I tell him it's twelve. And he goes, uh, uh, <laughs> and like picks one of them, stares for a minute, picks the other one, stares for a minute. Um, and for like 10 minutes, he was like, just could not decide until I finally convinced him to just take tactical um, and play Warhammer, which was the right call because, man, that would have not gone well. But uh, this is a list that wants to play fixed, and I just don't give up fixed. Um, really, really cool game here. Uh, this was one of those games where Dawn of War actually felt like a cool deployment because there were two very distinct flanks with very different things happening and then cool interactions happening in the middle because neither of us are outrageously fast with killy units. It's just a lot of angle hunting. Um, I played out of the bottom left. He tried to play both flanks and I just sent gargoyles to deal with that right flank. Uh, he pushed a rhino up into this ruin here and the Hormigant said, oh. We'll take that. Um, wrapping rhinos is like unending swarm 101. You got to keep those guys inside and not let everything activate all the time. Uh, the Hormigons were absolute MVPs here. You can see them in the top left there fighting unit of Poxwalkers. Uh, they would swing at the Poxwalkers and kill like three of them. And the Poxwalkers swing back and kill like three Hormigons and get three Poxwalkers back. 
and the Poxwalker would swing at the Hormigons and kill two of them, and the Hormigons swing back and kill two Poxwalkers. And they did this like for four or five fight phases until finally I draw um, right before I drew capture. I drew capture on turn. No, what was it? Not capture. I thought it was capture. I didn't draw capture, whatever the case, until um, eventually the Homer gods finally break through. And oh, he had defend. That's what it was. He drew defend on turn four. And top of four, the Homer gods finally finish the Poxwalkers. And Owen's like, oh, wait, crap. And the Homer gods look around. They're like, wait, we're free, boys. Get them. And Huck, a, a full flat six, whoops, go a full 16 inches from their little fight up in the top left there, all the way to the midfield, charge into the home field and just go start beating up on cultists. I popped shadows that turn and everybody failed. So the cultists, they had sticked the objective, but they were shocked. So the moment a single Hormigant stays on there at the end of the turn, it's my objective, baby. I had to auto pass and make it all work, but it was, oh, Hormigants. They're so cool. I hate how cool they are. Um, but yeah, overall, kind of a typical swarm game. Stall them out, score your points, and deny, deny, deny. Uh, ends up being 95-74 in my favor. Awesomely played by Owen. We had a great time. Um, one of my favorite opponents in the Northwest. Cool. Bring it on over to uh, Nick, who uh, being 1-1 one one, now gets to play into such uh, lowly competition as Eldar. Uh, Lucas, you know a thing or two about Eldar. What, what have we got going on over here? Yeah, so this is Ben Box Eldar list. Ben is another uh, Portland meta staple. He's a great guy. I'm interested to see how this game goes. He's got an Autark Wayleaper. He's got the Avatar of Kane. We've got a Death Jester with Fate's Messenger. This is a really cool tech piece that I think Eldar players should be trying out now that Fate's Messenger works as it was intended to um, after seven months. Uh, basically, the Death Jester picks one of three abilities. He's going to pick Sustain 3, and Fate's Messenger lets you flip a die to a 6. So you have one die roll, which you get to reroll with the Eldar reroll to hit and wound from the battle of the um, attachment ability. And then you make another one to six with a fate dice. And then you make another one to six with fate's messenger. And you end up with like between seven and nine hits, something like that. I forget if it's sustained three or sustained two, but you get a bajillion hits at like six, two, two. Um, so, and he's, I think, I believe he has precision on that rifle. So like he can snipe people. He's pretty cool. Um, We've got a Farseer with the Phoenix Gem, Fuegan, Carandrus, a Spirit Seer to lead 10 Wraith Guard. Interesting to see the Wraith Guard still after the nerfs. Two squads of five Rangers, 10 Shadow Spectres. I like this unit as well for brick cracking. Two squads of five Swooping Hawks, two Lance Warwalkers, another great unit right now, and the 10 Wraith Guard. How'd the game go? Yeah, so Ben deployed like most of his forces in one ruin. Um, he was a little bit too worried about my shooting, I think. Um, so he had like Avatar of Cain and all of the Wraith Guard up in one ruin uh, in my top left. Um, I got to go first. So basically just meant I advanced like Void Dragon and like King Ao and like some warriors because I knew he didn't have the firepower to delete 20 warriors on the flank because the only thing was the 10 shots from the Wraith Guard and the Avatar. Um, yeah, he didn't really want to come out and play, so I was just like taking over the board with primary and turn two. Do you want to send us to the scorecard real quick here? I think I like had a pretty good opportunity secondary wise. Um, yeah, tempting target. So I was on the left objective and the right objective, and he tempted me with the middle objective. So I decided, why not get tempting target, deny your primary, and move block your entire army with one unit. So I dropped the three inch deep strike Necron warriors, basically in like a U to hold the avatar and the wraith guard in their little box that he deployed them in, take away his five home field, 
get my tempting target, start burning an objective that's behind the 20 warriors with the other squad of 20 warriors. And the king and the void dragon are high-fiving as they're marching into his top right backfield and killing all like the war walkers and spirit uh, shadow specters. Uh, and Ben just basically was like, well, that's how that unit works. Okay, cool. And so he spent the rest of the game trying to fight out of the warrior move block. Um, and I just, as you can see, out primaried. I ended up getting a 50 on primary. Turn like four, the void dragon walks onto his home field and starts burning. Um, or like turn three, I don't know. I forget which one. But I started burning his home field, and he just wasn't really able to get out. He wasn't really able to get any get any primary. And yeah, that's kind of the the story there. Um, Eldar people that don't really know, um, they they kind of got like a little bit of a side grade in this uh, data slate. Is that now they have lost the shackles of playing, you know, the four or five really overpriced units that they have, and now they get to bring like twelve units now of trash that actually punch up really well. Um, ben was still playing the Wraith Guard, and I think after this game, he was kind of like, yeah, they're a little little too expensive for what they do. Um, so, definitely if you're playing Eldar, look at, like, you know, those little, like, trash units that you can play. Um, and also the Avatar is still really good. So, fantastic game. Thanks for the game, Ben. Very cool. Sweet. Moving on down to Tanner. It is his turn to play into Votan. Uh, different Votan list though, though this time. Something a little bit closer to what uh, I've seen Nick play in the past. What do we got going on over here, Nick? Yeah, so this is kind of what I would call like the meta-ish Votan list going on right now for singles. Um, it's got two champs, one with an axe and one with a hammer, two squads of 10 kin, four Sagittars, two squads of five hammer berserks, uh, two squads of 10 Volkite Hearthguard, and then two by six bikes. So it's very lean. Um, everything in this list is very, you know, wants to kill. But uh, pray to God it doesn't bounce. Yeah, this was a scary list. I don't know. I feel lucky this tournament that, like, my two practice partners are, as far as I'm concerned, the best Orc and Votan player in the regions, and I play double Orc, double Votan. Uh, this was a scary matchup, so I had to hide. And then I got to go first. I was very excited so I could shoot some bikes. And then I killed one bike with two brigands. I was like, never mind. Just come over and alpha me anyways. This is like you went first instead. And then he ran over and he didn't hit me any hard enough. And then on the next turn, I dropped two Termisorks that killed six bikes on their own and took a flank. And that was awesome. They rolled 23 shots out of the possible 24 shots. It was pretty sick. And that was game three of someone being like, what is this unit? Uh, this was really scrappy. I took minus one to hit. Uh, that's like a really big decision point for Death Garden of Votan. You either take save and attack, or you take hit and try and grind it out. Um, and I was scared of his alpha. I was scared of all his damage. I probably should have just taken save and ran at him in retrospect. Uh, came down to a point. It was pretty cool. <laughs> it was a close game. He wanted it way more than me. Uh, but I got it anyways. And I like that. It's very nice. I love it when you're playing someone who's deeply invested in the end game result and you've had like eight beers and then you still win. That's a good feeling for me. That's kind of peak Warhammer for me because I did all my trying in the like getting ready phase. Um, yeah, I don't know. The bikers are scary. Six man bikes really good right now. I kept telling Nick that I like it and I'm still been yelling in our chats. I think if you're a Votan player, that bike unit's awesome in the meta. Um, that's about it. Isaac's very good. Draw, assassinate turn three and score it turn five. 
I think so. So he took the score on this one. I, again, I'd had many beers and he was like very invested. So this was the one game where I was like, man, you score it. Uh, I, this is, I believe how we got to these points. It just got really scrappy in the middle. He had a squad of Hearthguard that wouldn't die. It was like blowing my mind. I fought them for like three turns and I could not take the call out with, I don't know, 10 Plague Marines and Morty and some Dash Route and tie. I was just like threw my whole army at this Hearthguard squad and it just stood there being heroic and making it the game. Because I thought I thought the game was going to be over immediately after I alpha his bikes and he hadn't done any damage to me. And then like these Hearthguard just held the line. They were stubborn. They were grim. It was pretty tight. We were fighting for four turns. That's about it. Very cool. Very cool. And I'm not going to forget this time that Lucas is still here uh, playing one of the orc lists into another one of the orc lists. It's an orc off. Lucas, what kind of orcs are you playing into this time? Yeah, so I got the mirror match. I think the last time I played the mirror it was against Bobby Kingsada. Like, there's probably another time <laughs> oh. since then, but way back at uh i think that was at Stumptown, um which was like the mech gun and evil sun horde mirror which was so much fun uh we got another mirror here um his list is quite similar to mine honestly he's got gas who's got miles drug he's got a smashing out with head whoppers joined to six squid gogs we got a war boss and a boss on bike the boss on bike's pretty interesting he's got two trucks 11 gretchen two squads of five mega knobs they're going to be good in the mirror 10 knobs six squid hogs three squads of five storm boys and three squads of three war bikers so it's my list with more trash. He's got more mega knobs. He's got, uh, let's see, he's got this big squig hog brick, which five with five field of pain is going to be annoying to kill. So what doesn't advantage doesn't he have? Well, he doesn't have the flash gets. This man has zero shooting at all. And let me tell you, my flash gets took over in this game. It was crazy. Um, uh, so I tried to exploit that advantage as much as possible. I looked at this list. I'm like, wow, this guy's this guy's better at me than everything, except for maybe I have more trucks. That's another advantage I have. But like, he's gonna have more more dudes all over the place. He's gonna have more screening. He's gonna have more scoring. How can I win? Oh, I just need to make sure the flash gets shoot for four turns and it'll be tabled. And that's more or less what happened here. Uh, we can see here this is uh, as he's wogging at the top of turn two. Basically, he went first, ran forward. I pushed up a wall of idiots that I didn't care about. So five Storm Boys, 10 Gretchen, and the War Trike are kind of spread out along the front of my deployment zone. And I'm going to, and I said, okay, uh, Mr. Man, you can wog if you want to. He wogs, clears all that stuff. And then I hit him like a freight train and pick up basically all the stuff that he put forward. So my flash gets gunned down as 10 knobs. Um, my, I have a knob squad go crack the car that's on the far right. That is mega knobs are riding in. So those guys are on foot for the rest of the game. And then Gaskell and the mega knobs go in and slaughter, uh, the entirety of that squid hog unit. So I killed basically half his army in one turn. And then from there, it was a slow grind of, holy cow, this guy's way ahead on points. Um, just because he's been scoring secondaries while I haven't really gotten much. And he's kind of denying my primary a little bit. Holy cow, I'm going to lose to the Boomer. Uh, I did not lose to the Boomer. He continued to run forward on turn three after I had killed, you know, he had killed 5% of my material. I'd kill 50% of his material. There's this awkward moment you can see on the top of three where he draws investigating and overwhelming force. I'm like, well, if you just kind of like pick off the units that I got on the far right and stay away from all of my concentrated force on the left side of the board, then, you know, you're going to pick up seven points and you're going to just stay ahead on the scoreboard. And the guy's like, nah, man, I'm going to run at you. And just drives his entire army and dies. 
So uh, that was that was ideal. He definitely pulled the orc player thing where I'm like, oh my god, you could win this game if you turn your brain on, and he did not turn his brain on. <laughs> so that felt good. Very cool. Glad to hear that you didn't have to give him your army because that's what happens when Lucas loses an orc game. He has to start his collection over from scratch. Please, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of unfortunate you had to take his army, though. He wasn't too Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think that qualifies as elder abuse, like, especially when, you know, you went at him with a stick. Like, come on, dude. You're better than that. Also, um, shout out Danny for being wicked cool. Like, that's who I yeah. want to be when I grow up. Basically, like a super cool older dude hanging out, playing cool armies, looking at the score and be like, no, I'm fighting you. Like, just he also like other than the tactical decision of committing super hard on turn three after he had already lost most of his dudes he played the game super well like he was move blocking me and he was lining up units in the right order to get like the most mathematically efficient trades it, he, he was doing it pretty well it was just like the couple of the macro decisions hell yeah sweet well, it's the end of day one, and Lucas and Tanner are both undefeated. Nick and I are both two and one, feeling pretty solid. Um, I'm going to skip the mid-between day a uh, check-in here. Move on into round four. We're playing Search and Destroy Supply Drops. That's table quarters. And uh, man, do I not like Supply Drop on the asymmetric layout. That's very scary. Um, so we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, starting off, I am, now it is my turn to play into Mr. Jonathan Siebert. This is the Votan player, um, who bested Mr. Olson Johnson, so I shall seek vengeance. Um, John and I also, uh, played a game at our team night the other week, um, where we played basically exactly this matchup. Um, I went first and never let him back into the game in 118-2, uh, but that was on Hammer and Anvil, so this is going to be a little bit different. Uh, and also, now I've explained to him as much as I possibly can about uh, how to um, how to deal with it, so we'll see what he can pull off. Uh, I ended up going first, again, which is real huge. We spent a long time discussing where the uh, Thunderkin should go and how uh, the game theory between uh, how to balance the benefits of going first versus going second. And basically, we end, he ends up deciding to keep him pretty defensive, so I'm not actually with him at all. Um, but he does push up with both of his Sagittars, and now I've got this unit of Hormagons, which I didn't have previously. And I'm like, oh man. And then I draw primary, or not primary, secondary, and both of my secondary cards are very achievable. Very achievable. And usually my default is burn a secondary turn one, auto advance six with the Gargs, go flat 24, move block, call it a day. And I committed the cardinal sin of being myself, which is I said, ooh, maybe we can get a little bit cute here instead. Um, and instead of uh, just going 24 move blocking everyone, I said, screw it. I'm going to hold on to my cards uh, and score them both because it's a lot of points. Um, and frankly, I probably still could have move blocked him just advancing, but I said, no, I'm going to charge him. I'm going to wrap up one Sagittar with Gargoyles and the other Sagittar with Hormagons and get a great move block, and the Gargoyles will tag um, the second Sagittar and the Land Fort as well. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. The problem is the Gargoyles start with full judgment. So all the cars are hitting on threes, killing, squishing on twos, basically. And I lost 11 Gargoyles to car combat. I can hear Lucas laughing from two doors down, even though he's muted in... Uh, in the in the channel here yeah so that was real bad get fucked 
Um, and the moral of the story is don't get cute. Do the thing that works, you idiot. Um, now, admittedly, I've already dropped a game. It's not the end of the world. I want to see if this works out. I'm trying to use new Hormagons. The Hormagon thing worked out pretty well. Uh, but that was bad. And this is in addition to the fact that the supply drop is going in the worst way possible for me. My safe objective leaves first, then the midfield, and then his safe objective last. So not move blocking him while that's happening is a recipe for absolute disaster. Um, I try a couple of cute things and it, it just doesn't matter. Um, he's able to grab his primary in the late game. He's able to deny some of mine, which was a massive bummer. Uh, and we end up at uh, 74 to 39 in his favor. Um, super well played by John. It was a really fun game. At the end of the day, it all comes down to not doing my move block properly at the beginning, which is an unfortunate part of playing Swarm. A lot of games end on turn one, one way or the other. But here we are. Super well played by John. We had a really good time. I look forward to playing him some more in the future. And I look forward to not charging Sagittars ever again. That was very painful. Anywho, clicking it over to Mr. Olson Johnson over here for the second mirror match of the weekend, but this time it is the Hyper Crypt Necron Mirror. Oh man, I'm sure this was a mess. What's going on here? Yeah, so this is another game where our opponent and I roll up to the table, we both look at each other and we're like, we have no idea how our two lists interact with each other at all. But both of us really want to go second. Um, so he is, uh, he has Chronomancer, he's got the Nightbringer, he's got the Void Dragon, he's got Xeris, uh, he's got Emotech as his Warlord, uh, because he is playing the Monolith. Um, so Emotech, uh, you play him as your Warlord, so that he just basically holds your backfield, um, and then he gives you an extra CP at the start of each turn, as long as he's on the battlefield. Uh, he's got a Plasmancer, he's got a Royal Warden with a Risen Tyrant, so Risen Tyrant is, like, the full hit rerolls when you arrive from Reserves, uh, Enhancement. Um, and Captain, other turns without that. Uh, he's got a Transcendent Catan. That's the teleporty one. He's got two squads of 10 Immortals, Gauss and Tesla. Uh, a squad of three Scarabs. Two solo Locust Heavies with the uh, anti-infantry gun. And then the mentioned Monolith. Um, this one was pretty cool. We got um, probably one of the more fun supply drops where uh, it was my safe going first, his safe going second, and the middle sticking around. So this was a big monster fight in the middle of the board. Uh, I think secondary-wise, we both went for... Uh, no, I went for tactical. He went for assassinate homers. Uh, for those who don't know, the king is an incredibly greedy choice, uh, not only for the aforementioned reasons, but also because if you play fixed assassinate, uh, assassinate uh, gives four points every time you kill a character model. And believe it or not, this edition, the men here have the character keyword because the whole unit has the character keyword. So by that definition, their character model. So every time a men here dies, they get four points on Assassinate. So he took Assassinate Homers, which is pretty smart because he doesn't need the CP from binning secondaries because Emotech just gives it to him. Um, I think I got, what, like Extend or something turn one, Extend Tempting, and my only unit that could get to like, uh, or I think I got Secure No Man's Tempting, yeah. So my Void Dragon's like the only unit that can get to the middle, and I'm like, man, screw it. Let's send him out there, see if your whole army can kill it. He teleports his whole army in, does kill the Void Dragon, bummer. But at this point, I have like everything ready to pounce on the Monolith and the Immortals. And so begins this very long sequence of me having the King sit in the middle with Ignore Mod's aura and my Nightbringer just slamming whatever he tees up to it every turn. Um, and basically, it fluctuates between two and like six or two and five wounds every turn. And we're both like, oh my god, oh my god. 
Uh, but the main the main moral of the story and how this game went is his army is pretty bad at killing 20 warriors uh, once the immortals are dead. And I very much went after the immortals. I think I picked up the Tesla squad turn two and knocked the Gauss squad down to like two immortals remaining, um, which then basically hid in deep strike all game, recharging until like turn five. Um, there's a stratagem that lets you do that. So normally Necrons can't do that, uh, but Hypercrypt has a stratagem that lets you recharge and deep strike. And yeah, um, just the warriors teleporting in, fire and fading onto objectives, stealing primary. I think if you head over to the scorecard, I think he didn't score any primary. Yeah, and I end up getting 36. So it's an 86-46 victory for the Necrons. I did get 40 secondary. This was a very good secondary game because he doesn't really have a way to stop me from getting on objectives. He got pretty good secondary too. He was very smart recognizing that I can't really stop his homers and that my list bleeds assassinate. Um, so this was a very fun game. Thank you, Josh. Very cool. I'm sure we're going to see plenty more Necron Mirror matches in the future. Um, up next, we got uh, Tanner playing into yet another Votan player. Uh, Nick, tell us about this particular Votan list and what you might think about it and its uh, potential in the meta today. So this list is kind of list after your own heart. It is a horde, or as much of a horde as Vokan can run, of idiots. Uh, it's got an Iron Master with Grim Demeanor. It seems to be a popular pick uh, after the data slate. Uh, a call with long list. Four squads of ten Hearthkin. Uh, four Sagittars. Six Gravkin. Uh, a squad of ten Blade Volkite Hearthguard. A single fort with Ion Cannon. That is the anti-infantry top gun and bolters. And then two squads of three Pioneers. He did end up having Big Beam on top. That was a list mistake. Ah. Uh, yeah, okay. he was playing Slot Machine. Yep. This list is so cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got the bad supply drop too where it was going to run away from me. And so I responded by hiding all of my army in a corner and praying that he would set up for my end, and it did not. Sorry, so I didn't respond. So I just bet. I was like, it'd be really sweet if these are on my side. And then they didn't, which is how this mission usually goes for me. And then uh, John pushed to every object. Oh, yeah, I should say. This guy's army was immaculate. They told him he couldn't win Best Painted twice in a row because it was already a dumb thing. He was a great guy to play the game with. Incredible hobby. Just like, what a guy. Um, and then, then he went first and he put a sag three bikes and some hearthkin on my safe one, a sag hearthkin on the middle and two sags and hearthkin on the third midfield. And he's like, you can't charge me. Right. And I'm like, no. And then he advanced a squad of thunderkin up in the middle of the board. And I was like, I might be able to charge those on like an 11. And he's like, well, we'll see, you know, you probably wouldn't do that. I was like, I probably wouldn't do that. And then uh, then I drove my army out and I shot him and I cleared my objective and in I cleared the middle objective and I got a Morty charge off turn one and now he's down like two cars, 10 dudes, some bikes, a bunch of Thunderkin and he was like, well, that's probably the game. And I was like, that's probably the game. And it, we grounded out, but that was in fact the game. Uh, no one was ready to get shot by plague marines that was about it yeah like all my other scores i can't score any points like i couldn't break a 90 at this tournament i was really really focused on fighting people and death guard loves to fight uh, the terminators were useless in this game it was a big bummer i dropped and shot and killed like 
not a sag and then they just ran in a line at one point though i did get to do my favorite thing where i got 10 plague marines out to do a thing and next turn they got back in the car and then a rhino drove from my safe field for like three turns over to his one and at the end they got out on his i'm like there we go nice i think he had one hearth ken left at the bottom of the game dueling my terminator on his bottom five so i killed whatever 1975 points of of votan i took the minus one save in this one because i knew like okay if it goes in his direction i don't have time to grind so if this goes unfortunately i'm gonna have to run at him as fast as i can and that's not very fast and then that happened but it did lead to that turn where it's like okay i deleted every unit i interacted with and then the next turn i deleted every unit i interacted with and votan just has a hard time with it thought the tonk was really good actually i'd been telling nick i thought they were bad and i was wrong the tonk was good super annoying it's the perfect amount of annoying Overwatch standing in the middle that you can never really afford to fight, and he shot it at me for like three, maybe four turns, and that sucked. Yeah, it was a good game. It was a lot of fun. Beautiful army. Great time. Very sick. Glad to hear it. Uh, bringing us in to round out round uh, four, uh, much in the way that Nick got to play Necron into Votan, Lucas is coming in hot with Orcs into Chaos Knights. Tell us a little bit about this Chaos Knights list, Lucas, and also this is the appropriate opportunity to tell us a little bit about Chaos Knights in the broader meta post slate. What's going on here? Yeah, so this is an interesting list by our boy Alex Harrison. Um, he, Henderson, not Harrison. Um, Alex Harrison's a different person. Um, we've got, uh, this is a 13 dog list, so um, still fitting in the no demons here. We've got a stalker with chain gun claw and aura of terror. He's got a Stubber, we've got three Brigands with Havoc Launchers, three Huntsmen with Meltas, and six Carnivores with Stubbers. Pretty cool list here. Um, basically what you have to do with Chaos Knights now is you either run one or two less Demon units and the same number of Brigands, or you make some sacrifices and what dogs you run to take more Melta, but maybe not Brigand Melta. Um, and this is kind of like a halfway point here where he's dropped... Uh, some of the demons, he's grabbed Aura of Terror, and he still has a fair number of brigands as well. So, pretty scary list overall. I definitely like the focus on carnivores. I think people that are still trying to cram their list full of brigands and slim down on carnivores are delusional. Uh, the carnivore is now easily the best war dog, um, and it's not even close. Um, so, where Chaos Knights are, I think they're in an interesting spot. I think the best list is probably still what it was previously between... 11, 13 dogs, depending on what kind of meta you're in and what you like playing, um, is just a really good list. Uh, it's still probably better than a big night, unfortunately. But there are a couple of cool big night options. Um, Tyler is yawning, and that is well-timed, because, yes, the war dog list is boring. Um, there are a couple options. First, the Rampager is super sick. Um, for running out and absolutely beating the hell out of something, the coolest part about the Rampager is it has four different melee profiles. Um, so you can really tailor the kind of attacks you uh, want to the target. Um, so like if you need two damage sweeps, you have that. You have 18 of those. If you need three damage sweeps, you have that. Uh, if you need high AP stabs, then you have that. If you need lots of high damage, you have that damage eight. Um, the Rampager is just fantastic. But the one bummer about the Rampager is it's basically a dog and a half stapled together defensively. It is not that tough at all. And that's where my new favorite Big Knight comes in. The Lancer. Yo. Yo, dude. It's coming together slowly but surely. The Chaos Knight Lancer is really cool. It's got two abilities. Um, 
The first one that you're going to see when you look at it uh, is the Advance and Shoot Aura for War Dogs. This is a good ability for sure, but in my opinion, uh, it is um, the least important of like the kind of three attributes you get for being a Lancer. The second attribute, uh, why it's important is because it allows your um, uh, Mel to have a little bit more range, obviously, and more importantly, to kind of surprise people with suddenly lurching forward into Melter range because you can like roll the Advance, then use Night of Shade, scoot up into Melter range super fast. Um, near the Lancer, so that's pretty powerful. The other ability is Tank Shock for free, even if you've already Tank Shocked. That's really good, because Carnivore Tank Shocks are great, so it can enable you to flip two flanks by Tank Shocking on both flanks, or crack a super hard target. Uh, one, of the, one of the models we had problems with before was something like the Avatar of Kane or a Catan, just being super tough and obnoxious with a 4-up invuln, and like maybe Dice Fixing or Feel No Pain. Um, we just don't really care about that now, right? Um, tank Shock, take 11 Mortal Wounds, now I'll hit you with a Lancer and a Carnivore in combat. Pretty disgusting. The other thing the Lancer is going for at part three, which I think is the most important part, is that it is tanky. It is super hard to kill with a four up invuln all the time in shooting and in combat and three wounds above the Rampager. It is much, much harder to kill. And if you put Lord of Dread on it, all of a sudden this dude really is not dying to any kind of combat at all. Um, and that is a great place to be because that is one of the weaknesses of CK is fast quality combat, getting in, tagging their dudes and killing them, scalping out the carnivores. Um, so having kind of an anchor to, to lock down, um, like the middle of your army is really good. Okay. So I talked about a, a model that isn't in this list, uh, for like three minutes there, but I think the Lancer is really cool. So, uh, this list was interesting, uh, or this game was pretty interesting. Uh, the middle objective disappeared first, then his, then mine. So it was like sort of kind of in my favor, but the way the terrain is set up here, um, sorry for the lighting. I was right by the window. So it was kind of awkward to get a good picture, but, uh, Alex kind of staged up behind all the ruins, uh, going, f uh, let's see. I went first. A bit of the bummer about this particular deployment type on corners is that there's not very many safe places, like by the crate in the bottom, it's hard to stage without getting popped by Melta, and I really don't want to come out of my transports because I might take some casualties and then all of a sudden Chaos Knight Army Rule kicks in and I can't use strats and Battleshock, that kind of stuff. Um, and it's hard to stage behind that L because he can super easily move his brigands around the top uh, of the board and just melt whatever I put down there. So. With going first, I really wanted to put the pressure on him so that he didn't get the primary early, but that would result in me taking a ton of damage. So I kind of just like sat there and he did the right thing, which was put just enough forward that I was tempted to wah, but it actually required a big commitment to to uh, for me to like deny the primary. So he's got the stalker on the lower right and he's got two huntsmen in the middle. His least valuable dogs, but enough OC that I can't just like steal them willy nilly with like a truck or five storm boys or something like that. So I decide to wall. I'm like, I am not in a good position. I went first, so he's going to have the primary advantage. Um, I don't have a way to deny these objectives without just charging him. So I'm like, screw it. Uh, let's just see what kind of damage we can do. Gazi gets plus two advance and charge, launches himself uh, into his spot right now, is kind of right by that um, gray, uh, yellow huntsman, kind of behind the ruin and the top middle of the uh, the board there so he launches in from my deployment zone and thunder punches that dog and then a bunch of other dudes blitz into the middle i failed both the knob charges unfortunately they were, they were both sixes i failed them both and then cp'd one and failed it again which is just like catastrophe um so at the end of that turn uh, i'd only killed three war dogs uh basically blowing my full load that turn which is really really bad um i knew it right then i was like i 
probably lost this game. And uh, I do, I reach deep into the bag of tricks to try to, um, to try to keep him in place and stop him from running onto my objectives using like characters with invulns to double charge dogs and or double charge carnivores and stay alive to lock them there, that kind of stuff. But uh, it just wasn't enough. Um, 10 war dogs operating from turn three onward is just catastrophe. I, I only, I barely managed to, uh, to get max bring it down here. I actually had to kill a dog in the last turn. So um, good game though. Uh, 5885 is still reasonably close, like within striking distance of a couple of things that gone differently. So, um, yeah, good game to Alex. It was a lot of fun. Very cool. So that wraps up round four there. Um, and we have got uh, all over the place. We've got Tanner is 4-0 and heading into the finals here. Lucas drops down to 3-1. and Nick pulls up to 3-1 and as well. And I am 2-2. Two and two. Heading into the final round of the tournament, we got Priority Targets, Crucible of Battle, Chilling Rain. Prios is a bit of a controversial mission, so let's see how it shakes out in practice here uh, with some endgame scoring. Um, first up, Oh man, demons time! Uh, I am gonna run into. I ran into demons for the first time at LVO on stream. Played them again at LVO, and this is my third game into demons, uh, and they are quite a thing. Tanner, as the resident chaos uh, expert in chief, you want to run us through uh, this demons list? Tell us your thoughts on it. Yeah, this is one of the Beric brothers. They always play these like hilariously cool guy lists. They've got Belly, Double Thirster. A demon prince of Nurgle. Like, I don't even know what that does in this edition. Shalaxi, everyone knows what that does. Two Nurglings, ten Plague Bears, three Flamers, and a Secret Chariot. It's awesome. So cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, the really important things that this list does uh, is a lot of things that I really don't like. Namely, uh, fly, be untargetable outside of 18, and not die to anything ever. These are big bummers, um, and I was concerned, to say the least, as a result of those things. I remember trying to kill Greater Demons with GSC, and it wasn't possible, really. <coughs> so the idea of trying to do it with Exocrines was laughable. Uh, so if we're not going to kill them, we're going to stand places, uh, because standing places is not allowed for demons. That has to be the, the strategy here, and uh, it looks a little something like this. Uh, these are the board states that I live for as a 40k player. Um, this kind of absolute, utter nonsense is just like it's everything that I want in a 40k game. Um, uh, the main intrigue here is that the demons have 12 inch move, but they have three and a half inch wide bases. So if the uh, shortest distance between in the front of their base currently and the back of your base in a minute, is what is that under eight and a half inches they can't go anywhere full stop um so you do that all over the place and say i don't care that you fly you can't fly over me baby um uh, and you try to also not let them charge over you that one i messed up a little bit which is why that bloodthirster is slightly closer than he's supposed to be um an interesting part of the terrain that came up a lot in this game was that we're playing with all those little four by six crates are impassable you can, or sorry, they're breachable, but you can't land on top of them, which is a really big issue for something like demons with big bases. So like that termagant squad in the very bottom there looks like it's very afraid of that uh, bloodthirster. Obviously the hormigons are dead, that's whatever. But those termagants that are strong on the bottom are completely safe. He cannot charge them. There's just no way to get anywhere near them. Um, and we end up using that over and over and over again, just standing in places. 
Um, demons, uh, the big demons have a lot of attacks, but it's generally like 14, 16 at most, and none of them have sustained in combat. So very consistently, charge thing with less than 20 attacks with 20-man squad, very effective way to make sure that it can't do anything for a turn. Uh, we shot the plague bearers and killed them, and that was the only thing we killed. Uh, at the end of the game, I think literally every single model was on full. Oh, we sorry, we did kill the chariot eventually. We killed ten plague bearers and a chariot, and every other model ended the game on full wounds, to the best of my knowledge. Um, if you play Nids into Demons, especially if you play like a more gun-oriented version of Nids that actually plans on killing stuff, be very careful with your battle shocks. Um, Obviously, forcing battle shock is like one of the core tyrannid ways of dealing damage. But every time they pass a shock check in the shadow, they heal D3 wounds and they're good leadership. So I very often was like, all right, we got a little bit of damage done to a big demon because, you know, we had, we had nothing else to shoot at. We're getting somewhere. If you fail this battle shock, like I might actually take it down this turn. It heals three e health and I get no benefit to myself. Damn it. Um, so try not to do that. Yeah, so playing is good hand, dude. I, it really is. Um, but uh, yeah, so really fun game here. A lot of standing in places. At the end of the game, like I said, all four greater demons were alive, as were both squads of nerglings, as were um, the uh, uh, the flamers. Um, and yet at bottom of five, I was holding all five objectives. Let's go. Uh, very great game, Andrew. Well played. 92 to 70 in my favor. Um also, big shout out to Andrew. He actually understood how to play around the Blood Surge better than anybody else that I played against at this tournament. Almost every single person either says, so I just don't shoot my guns. Cool. And then they don't shoot their guns. Or they basically say, eh, I kind of get it. I'm going to shoot my guns. It'll be fine. And then it's not fine. He shot his guns very intentionally, very carefully. Demon guns are shockingly good, particularly into hordes. Um, and he, he used them really efficiently. So big, big props to Andrew there. He played super well. Unfortunately, uh, me getting to go second on uh, Prios is just kind of backbreaking. Sweet. So, oh, here's a here's a cinematic shot of uh, of that same scene that uh, that Matt sent me. It's very cool. Love these guys. Six times as many models as this man in this game before you regen. He has like uh, that's... six models. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah, and awesome. two outnumber him six to one. And I think I br- I I also in this game had for the first time in a minute, got to bring 40 dudes back at once because he killed one squad in the shooting phase and one squad in the fight phase. Oh, it's glorious. So yeah, I think I probably outnumbered him 7 to 1, probably, actually probably closer to 8 or 9 to 1 when it was all said and done. But anywho, great game. Love the swarm. Lots of nonsense. Uh, Sweet. Up next, we've got our boy Nick going into Tau. I know a thing or two about Tau, so I'll talk about this list. Uh, We've got Farsight. Absolute King himself, an Enforcer Commander. Commanders, by the way, in Tower right now are just cheap as chips. They're more efficient than Crisis Suits by a significant margin. Take lots of them. That Enforcer's Rock Exemplar of the Cow Yawn. Uh, we've got Dark Strider, who is an Infiltrator Aura. Very useful thing to have in uh, in this uh, day and age. Got a squad of 10 Breachers and a Devilfish. Uh, two squads of two Broadsides. I still don't like Broadsides, but you know, you got to have some anti-tank somewhere. Two squads of three crisis. This is the like cool tech choice of the list. He's rocking missile pods and fusion blasters. So he's still got anti-tank. He's still got anti-medium infantry, but at better range and without killing himself necessarily, um, albeit less efficient. So 
cool trade-off. Um, I'd have to play around with it myself. I'm curious to hear what Nick thinks about it, but I think it's a cool idea at least. He's got a Ghost Keel. He's got 10 Pathfinders and two Riptides with Ion Accelerators. Uh, if you're writing a Talus right now, just put three Riptides in it. Just do it. They're insane. Um, and, of course, three units of Tetras, but you already knew that when I said it was a Talus. So, Nick, tell us about this game. How'd it go down? Yeah, so this one's pretty scary. Um, I think... I didn't. I, I have only played against like a uh, Sib Crisis this edition. Uh, so I asked him how many shots the missiles had, and he's like, "Ah, oh, they have two each." And I'm like, "Really?" He's like, "Oh no, 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 they have two missile guns each. They have like I don't know, like 36 shots or something." And I'm like, "Okay, don't let them shoot the warriors. Sounds good." <laughs> um, so this game, it's a little a bit of a bummer. He brought some good tech. He very much seemed to know like his way around um, Catan. He's like, "I brought Dark Striders. You can't three inch deep strike." And I'm like. Yep. And he's like, these preachers are going to do like seven wounds to your katana on an objective. And I'm like, yep, they certainly will, dude. Um, so he just parked Dark Strider in his backfield so I could never steal it, which in this mission, because primary is hold one, hold two, that's it. He's getting a five every turn. So it's like I can three inch deep strike warriors to deny five, which feels pretty bad because then they just die to missiles. So I was really hoping for like a chance to line that up with a secondary as well. Um, he made the mistake of deploying like all his broadsides into the bottom um, right, and because they only move like five inches, they just aren't participating in the game as long as they don't go down there. So I can make like Catan to the top left. Um, and for this one, I really wanted them to buddy up because I really just didn't want them to get like separated and pulled apart. I actually did that in a lot of my games. The Catan buddy together is pretty good because when someone brings enough forces to bear to kill one, the other one is ready to come and swing in. Um, I mostly led with the Void Dragon this game. Uh, the Void Dragon has a ton of anti-vehicle, which is insane in a tower because everything they like have is a vehicle. So he ended up making like a six-inch charge into these missile suits on like turn three and just lived in there the rest of the game, cutting through Crisis and cutting through big suits, and it was pretty pretty fun. Um, yeah, I think this game, it's pretty like us trying to dodge each other, him trying to screen me, my trying to be trying to dodge his angles. But as soon as like those Catan, he committed to them and bounced, it was just like broke into the heart of his army. And that was kind of it. Uh, so I think it ends up being a 99, like 68. Yep, exactly. So, yep, I end up, um, I can't deny, like he still gets 40 on primary. Like I can't knock him off those two objectives at the end of the game because I've been ignoring those broadsides down in the corner all game. And I've been using the warriors to try to deny some primary, as you see on like turns two or turns three and turns four. He only gets fives. Um, but yeah, this was a super fun game, um, and definitely um, another game where the Overwatch threat of the missiles made me scary, uh, or made me scared. Um, was very scary for the warriors deep striking, so I had to like deep strike outside of Overwatch range and then fire and fade into. Uh, overwatch range which doesn't matter because you can't overwatch in the shooting phase a trick that t-suns know very well um so definitely something to be more aware of as the meta is picking up um these three inch deep striking warrior squads are going to probably be picking up in popularity so make sure you have infiltrators and or some scary overwatch threat to try to reduce the effectiveness of them very cool that brings us over to Lucas now playing into some more Votan. Um, this is definitely one of the lists that we've seen already. Um, but Nick, give us a quick rundown. Which one is it again? There's been a bunch of them. Yeah, which one of like the seven? Um, this is Isaac's list uh, that Tanner played uh, in round three. So this is the very the like very slim but very scary packages. Um, so it's like the two champs, 20 Hearthkin, four Sags, 10 Zerks, 20 Hearthguard, 12 Pioneers. 
you know, very slim and scary package is also uh, how... Uh, well, actually, I'm just going to cut that off. Uh, yeah, this was a pretty interesting game. Um, th we both took tactical in this game, and a lot of it did come down to what we were drawing uh, in toward the late game here. Uh, I'll just go right to the scorecard so we can keep this one pretty quick. Um, this was the one game where I'm like, was very proud of myself for how I used the terrain here. Um, I was able to really, uh, without... With only 10 Berserkers, and uh, my I killed all of his cars by turn 2, um, Isaac really had limited mobility um, and agency over the board. He had to kind of like waddle toward me with Berserkers, and those guys are not fantastic at punching orcs without judgment tokens. Um, the other option was Bikers, but because of the way the terrain is laid out here, I was able to screen with either enough unimportant units or things behind terrain. The Storm Boys actually end up landing behind the yellow crate there once Gazi dies. Um, and they just basically completely block out A, his ingress, and B, his ability to redeploy his bikers into good shooting positions along the bottom of the board. And then Mozzie goes and stands on the top by the blue crate and blocks out the bikers from arriving there. So he's just completely shut out from the left side of the board. He's living on the right side. We are in a very stalemate position, trading back and forth. We're both getting 10s. Um, getting some good uh, secondary points here. Um, I ended up going second, which meant that I was kind of able to lurch forward and try to get some uh, some more primary in the late game. But Isaac really locked down his tens and ended up with a fifty anyway. So I just ended up winning this game with some some decent secondary draws in the late game. But I was happy with how I used terrain here. It was fun to be able to kind of prevent the the hearth guard and the bikes from blowing me up, which is just. Not I've I've played I haven't played Orcs into Votan much maybe like once or twice this might be my third game Chaos Knights into Votan I've played like five or six times at this point I feel like um, and that game is is very different right because you're basically just at the mercy of the bikers and the and the um, Hearth Guard unless you play super defensively they can just land whenever they want to and always get the first strike on you which is super rough and then you can hit them pretty hard back but like you always have to take the first licks basically. This game, because it was much easier for me to hide and stage behind the ruins, it felt good to to really lock those units out and prevent them from uh, um, from really reaching their full effectiveness. This picture I just took was right before a hilarious disaster moment for Isaac. Um, the Sagittar that's in the middle of the table shot my truck that's on my home objective here. That truck had the Meganobs in it. This is right after I called the wall, so this is top of two. He's, st he's starting his turn two movement phase on the top of two. And he blasts that truck to hell. It explodes. I careen onto the middle objective, get out, get the primary. Or I don't get the primary for that because he end up, ends up having some guys on it or whatever. But I get out, three, use the Eerie Ghost Strat for plus two advance and charge. Those guys launch into the bikers at the top of the table and obliterate them. He is forced to, to deal with this. He has to ingress his other squad of Hearthguard up there behind those bikers. Those guys shoot and punch the Mega Knobs and don't kill them. This is why I love Mega Knobs, because if you don't token them or devote real resources to them, that kind of thing, if you don't put real guns into them, they can just actually survive and be annoying. Uh, the Mega Boss ended up surviving that combat, lived two more turns, ran back there, deployed a teleport home or something like that. He got behind enemy lines, I know that for sure. He was just scoring me all sorts of points and being obnoxious. So, uh, yeah, well done to that unit there. And a pretty fun game overall. Poor Isaac. Fantastic. Yeah, I lost yeah, by man. lost by one point and then lost by three points. And to like a Kareen. <laughs> Classic <laughs> orc nonsense. I mean, you look, you look at this table. 
you look at this table and you're like, mega knobs, unit moves yeah. five inches. Good I job. bet these bikers six inches from my home field are safe from that. Surely. Yeah. RNG says no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got to prep for into orcs, man. I God, imagine losing an important final round of a tournament to a, an unfortunate orc truck explosion. That'd be crazy, dude. Oh, man. Yeah. Anyway, time for the finals. Tanner is playing into Alex Henderson, or, yeah, Henderson, right? The guy that took out Lucas in the semis last round. It is Death Guard versus Chaos Knights. Lucas has disappeared, so as a reminder, this is a good old-fashioned 13 dogs knight army. We got a stalker with the aura of terror, three brigands, three huntsmen, six carnivores. Tanner, how'd it go? All right, I'm super ready to lose this game going into it. Uh, Alex is awesome. He's like a ginormous man who looks very intense, but is actually a total sweetheart. So every time you look up, you're like, oh my God, there. And then you're like, oh no, this guy's the homie. Um, we played the first time at an RTT, like when I was on the Brigand list and he was playing big knights. And I was like, check it out. I can shoot all your knights with my knights, but you can't shoot my knights. How do you feel about that? And he was like, that's cool. And I knew we could be friends because it was like, oh, okay, we're on the same level. So I thought this was Karmic Circle where now I meet him a year and a half, two years later, and he has the brigands. Um, so I had a big decision to make. I don't know if we can still move the slides, but if we can show a terrain layout, that would be sweet. Uh, yes. Okay, so I uh, had a couple big decisions. One is I reserved a rhino. That was cool. One is that I put Morty on the line, which was very scary. And I put him to the upper left, kind of behind that ruin, such that Alex is like four knights at the top of his DZ. We did a bunch of lasering and pre-measuring. We took a lot of time deployment and came and was like, okay, you could shoot me with one Huntsman in Melta range and have two carnivores who need like an eight and a seven if you want to come yeet at Morty if you go first. And then I put my other Rhino in my DZ safe place and was just like, boy, I hope this works out. And then I went first, which was an even harder decision because I still don't know if he's going to commit into Morty or if he's just going to back up and take his back, like his home field one, essentially, and hide. Um, so I put Morty even farther out. I was like, what if now you could shoot him with two brigands and you need like a six and a seven? And then I zoomed my Rhino up into that corner. And then Alex, I passed him what um, Tarzan had done to me. I was like, you could win the game right now. Like, if you land these charges and you get a Melta through, Morty's dead. That's probably it. I can't dig out. It's not super likely, but it's like well within possibility. Do you want to do this? And he spent like 10 minutes thinking, and then he went for it, and then Morty didn't die. And then Morty did his thing where he like unloads on a tank and does four damage. But then I got to get 10 Plague Marines out, <laughs> drop all these deaths out everywhere. And my 10 Plague Marines, Kool-Aid Man through the wall. They shot two different knights down to two wounds. That was awesome. Yeah. Alex was like, what is happening, dude? I'm like, here's six plasma gun shots. Five fives to hit. Take five saves of damage, too. I'm going to do all the other guns at the other one. Like the Hyper Blight Grenade Guy gun does six damage to a knight. You know, he was just sitting there like, this cannot be a real unit, which is my favorite part. Um, but then I failed a Forge charge with a reroll with that squad in to clean up those two nights. And like the game got really sketchy again for a minute. Um, 
typhus long bomb to charge in the middle onto some knights i got really excited they did like three damage to a knight i'm like well at least his army can't kill this in melee this is like typhus move is b minus two to hit and then like a stalker wandered over and killed the whole unit in one activation i was like so we had like 30 minutes of dice just scamming each other but at the end of it i had i like i had this rhino just waiting to come in and do plague marine stuff again and I killed, I think I killed four knights on that first turn where I fought knights. I killed five knights plus like two by ten wounds or something on the second turn. I just killed so many knights that Alex played really good. We had a bunch of like very intricate melee exchanges, but at the end of it, I got to win the damage race again. And that was awesome. It was really fun. Alex had a chance to make that a very scary hiding game where we might have tied, which was like on the table on this mission. We're both playing fixed. There's a real shot that like if I hide and homers a couple times, then he has to push me in the late game and we slam like literally 2000 points into each other in turn four. And I don't think he wanted to bet it on that. And I really respect that. I think he could have hid and played like a late in game coin flip or gone for it early and played an early game coin flip. What the fuck are these secondaries? Yeah. I couldn't score any. Um, He couldn't score any either. Yeah. Well, Again, I like I killed nine knights in two turns, plus like crippled two more. So he went from a whole army of knights that could only shoot Morty with a couple to like half an army of knights to like five knights, just like huge chunks. And when I should say in the CK Death Guard matchup, CK takes a insane efficiency hit when they get in close because you start touching dogs with a minus one weapon skill plus six skill, and now they're minus two to shoot out of the combats. And they're yep. minus, like the Typhus squads hypothetically really good in minus two to hit, though again they evaporated. Um so I like when CK gets bogged down in this matchup, it can be really, really bad. And the Death Guard have such reliable damage output. Like Kim, if you're still listening, this is a reliable damage unit, not world eaters. This is the army that does reliable damage. You have a ton of mortals. You have a ton of stuff that doesn't care about toughness. And then CK has really good weapons to kill Death Guard, but you have to hit. And, like, you know, I got in there. I touched everything. I bogged it all down. Morty made zero four-ups the whole game. That was pretty wild. Alex couldn't hit him, but I couldn't make it. I spent three CP rerolling saves over three subsequent turns, and I made none. I was like, this man just wants to die gloriously at the end. He did three damage to a dog, and then he did 20 damage to a two-wound dog. But, like, the positioning with Morty was cool. <laughs> I'm super proud of that move. I really looked at the game. I was like, I think I lose if he drags it out. I got to put some bait on the line, and then it worked out. And it was a cool way to win. I don't know. We had a great time. It was a really fun game. Nice, dude. Alex the best, yeah. When did your Ingress Rhino show up? Was that, like, after he pushed on you? Like, It was... Um, I think it was turn three, actually. I, like, got... I We were in a spot where I was like, everything's going to charge. And then there's this, like, giant triangle of knights, like, rotating into the flank. I just fought around that position I put Morty in. This was cool, too. Morty's there hanging out on his own. Some knights come in. And then the, and I was like, oh, you can see him with two guns. And then the next turn, Morty was in, like, a donut of my whole army. And no knight could shoot Morty on turn on Alex's two or something. It was so bizarre. It was like, mm. how do how can there be eight dogs and none of them can see my giant Mothman, who's just like kind of behind a wall? 
Um, so I think it came in three. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Plague Marines just, dude, guys, they're so cool. They're so cool when they work. It's, it was so satisfying to get to win a tournament with like my favorite units, which is Morty and Plague Marines. I'm really happy they're back. That's it. It was a good time. Hell yeah, dude. Sweet. So that brings us to the end of the event, and we got a couple of pieces of hardware to, to go around. Uh, Tanner, enter, God damn it, got it right up until now. Tanner comes in uh, first place overall the tournament, only undefeated 5-0. and Love a GT that has only one undefeated. So Our boy Lucas ends up winning best singular painted model for the Death Killer War Trike. That thing looks sick. Brought home the hardware there. Should have had pictures of trophies, but we didn't think that far ahead. And uh, Nick and I uh, tied for dude who had the most fun. Yeah, let's go. Um, uh, with movement shenanigans in particular. Um uh, man, 20 mans on 32 is move blocking, dude. That's that's our life now. You're one of us. It's great. Um, anyway, so fantastic event. Again, big shout out to, to Matthew Atwood, our TO, and also to Perry and Patrick, who were real big in making this whole thing work. Um, they're all volunteering I, a ton of time to make some awesome Perry events. Perry and Patrick were also TOs. Like, they all, they all do it together. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Fit what... Whatever ever the affiliation may be, everyone involved in this thing. Actually, fantastic. I found out live during this show that their events are like put on by PPM events. Like that's their organization, which is mm-hmm. Patrick Perry Matt. <laughs> Just like you know, <laughs> TNG. Oh, so, okay. You know, Tyler making Lucas. Um, but yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's what that stands for. So we should stop calling them Mattwood events and start calling them PPM events. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, because they put in a ton of work as well. Absolutely. And like, yeah, Perry painted the, the trophies for the event. Um, all Sick. three of them were available for judge calls. All three of them were setting up and changing the terrain during lunch. So thanks, guys. PP. Fantastic. Awesome. Sweet. Well, that wraps up the tournament portion of, uh, of our show. Um, so big shout out to Tanner. Thanks for coming on. Um, we're going to move on into our second segment of the day, which is listener questions. Uh, if you want your question answered on this show, just like any other show on the network, there's a couple ways to do that. If you support us on Patreon and join our Discord, we have an entire channel. It's called Take All Questions, uh, in which you can submit questions. If you put a question in there and it's not deemed inappropriate or something we are contractually obligated to answer it on stream uh if you super chat a question at us in the youtube we'll also answer that and if you ask us a regular question in chat that we find sufficiently interesting we'll talk about that as well sweet so let's break it down here uh tanner you're welcome to hang around if you would like but you're also welcome to bounce if you would prefer totally up to you yeah sweet Fantastic. All right. First question comes from Davin. Uh, says, welcome. Uh, with the arrival of Krons overtaking the meta, which factions and lists have you identified as their natural predators? And how can other factions tech for Catan or warrior body spam? Uh, Nick, as Necron on Supreme at the moment, you seem like the right person to put this at. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely, like, kind of, I looked at these questions before the show, um, and definitely took like this one into account when going over some of the games. Um, So like what was most difficult for me to overcome was like infiltrators are super annoying. They just turn off your ability to three inch deep strike, especially in like when well-placed like behind walls on objectives, 
you just can't fire and fade and steal them. Um, Overwatch threats, uh, which obviously not a lot of us have, but like Thunderkin in Votan, um, like Crisis Suits in Tau, um, even like Death Guard Flamers, because they're all anti infantry. Yeah. Um, these are all going to be very good at dissuading 20 warriors from coming in and stealing. You might not stop them from stealing the objective, but you'll probably stop them from being able to do three things at once, like what I did to Ben in our game. Um, uh, another thing too, into Catan, um, because they have all damage and they have a four of Envolm, um, generally you look at big monster and you're like, big shot will kill big monster. Not actually that efficient to Catan. Um, the thing that did the most damage to Catan, like all tournament to me, was uh, the Tesla Mortals in the Mirror Match game, because it's just tons of shots with full wound rerolls. Wound rerolls also great into Catan, because usually with your low volume of shots, you're going to be wounding on fives or sixes. And the Votan uh, Hearthheart unit coming out of the Tonk, because since he tokened me at the start of the game, he's wounding on fives, and then it's uh, 5d6 grenades plus 15 Volkite shots, hitting on twos, access to sustain two. Wounding on fives with full wound rerolls. I think I took like eight damage from that unit alone. And he shot me with like two tanks, like three by, like he shot me with like most of his army and they did like two damage in shooting. And then this hearth guard unit just comes in and goes like, hey, we're going to shoot you with anti-infantry guns. And it was take eight. Um, so yeah, you want to look for more kind of unique um, choices like that, I think. But I'll let these guys talk about any things that they've found as well. I think the the best solution is volume. Um, when you're looking at the kind of weapons that want to kill Necrons, uh, you're looking at peeling up important units um, like Warriors, like Immortals. Uh, these are both one wound models with decent toughness and a decent save. The best kind of weapons into those kind of units are just tons of strength five and six attacks. Um, if you're if you have units that have both of the that are right at that breakpoint, go with strength six because it's strength six is incredibly efficient at the T11 Catan. Um, and if you're only one damage, then their half damage doesn't really get modified at all. Just throwing out a couple units that are especially good at Catan um, that might be a little more off the wall. Um, Harry ran this unit in the video of the week. The uh, 10 Firestorm Vanguard veterans with flame pistols using the free devastating wounds from the captain. I think in shooting that like almost kills a Catan and then in melee uh, because it has real wounds from Vulcan and then in melee it has lethal hits and plus one strength so it gets to strength six with lethal hits that can like kill one and a half Catan in one face. That's really plus disgusting. Plus one wound for a CP as well. Yep. Um, oh yeah. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Um, so yeah, that's really gross. Any, uh, Beast Naga boys are another unit. Uh, it's a hundred point unit that basically one shot to Catan. That's super good. Um, Breachers. I want to call them out. Another unit with wound rerolls on objectives. Yep. Wound rerolls, um, on objectives, uh, legionaries running a 10 man slash legionary unit with sustained fives, real to hit near Abaddon, real to wound, and then maybe you're near Lucius. So it fights first. Uh, or you're joined to Lucia, so it's fight first. Any unit that has reroll the wood and a lot of volume is really good into Necrons. I gotta Trajan. say, Plague Marines also. Plague yeah. Marines Trajan. and Morty is yeah. wild. Yeah. Trajan Guard yeah. Unit, another thing. Ignoring odds, full wound rerolls, access to plus one wound, access to lethal hits. The Plague Marines you're calling out. Bunch of two damage saves and lethal hits. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the the ignore mods isn't just good into Catan, right? It's also good into the warriors because it and the immortals because it ignores AOC from Zerus. And yep. ignore the minus one hit from the Chrono. And the minus one from the Chrono, yeah. True. I That's forget the about big, that. 
I will say in addition to ways to kill Necrons, trying to not get killed by Necrons is also something that can be done pretty effectively if you're able to put your things in the right places. The shooting out of the Necron army is very bad. Right. The Locusts oh, are some of the secret. strongest stuff that is to go around, <laughs> and they have a real problem with heavier armor. Um so if you can mitigate where the Catan are, because they're not just Raw Dog and Nines out of Deep Strike or Strat Reserve, they need to actually set up charges a couple turns in advance, you can take a surprising amount of board from a Necron player if you have a good armor save, especially if you have access to AOC. Um, whenever someone is playing real cutesy, tricksy nonsense, like all these warriors and stuff, the best way through it is through it, not over it, not around it. Um, and be willing to play more aggressively, even though they could be anywhere. Well, you're the one on the objectives, so go get them. Um, sweet. Uh, this is a stat check podcast, so we are all required, and I'm going to have Tanner answer this as well for sure, uh, to answer what is your favorite way to have an egg? Lucas, I know your answer, so you should go first. Poached. Really? Yeah, love poached eggs. He's, he's a big poached egg fan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll, fantastic. Over easy fried egg is best egg. Goes on everything. All right. I've got a funny one here about eggs. Uh, my default is usually scrambled or fried. Uh, but to be honest, here's the thing about eggs. I never really learned like the difference between the types. And, um, like, yeah, I kind of get the idea, like poach, yada, yada. But sometimes people say like, you know, over easy, soft shell, yada, yada. And I'm like, I don't know what any of that means, you know? And sometimes when I'm out to breakfast with friends, someone will order an egg and I'm like, that sounds cool. I'll just get whatever he's having. So, you know, that's just kind of scrambled or fried is my default. Sometimes it's sure. I'll take the weird thing that Tyler just ordered. Sounds good. Um, the weird thing I'm sure is probably soft boiled. I'm a soft boiled slut. I have two eggs for breakfast, soft boiled eggs for breakfast every single day. They're delicious. Um, but uh, yeah, sweet. Um, McWorp asks, what are the big, ev- ev- can't miss events you guys recommend going to in the Pacific Northwest? Well, have we got a show for you? Oh my gosh. Cascade Clash, ladies and gentlemen. It is coming up. It ha- If you've heard about this already, which I hope you have here in the Northwest, you may not have heard that it's been altered. It's a two-day event now. So don't tell me you can't come because you can't get Friday off of work. Come to the event. We got like 80 people signed up right now with room for like twice that. It's going to be awesome. Oh, I didn't get the pictures and the slides. Damn it. Noah sent me these awesome photos. Um, I'm not going to be able to get them up in the in time. So unfortunate. Uh, but they're all the terrain they're doing is super good looking. It's all brand new stuff that's painted super well because, you know, the guys up at Aegis are hobby maniacs. It's going to look incredible. Super great event. WTC FAQ. Tons of prize support up and down the line. The... Um, uh, the U.S. Wargaming Federation is sponsoring $250 of prize support in addition to their super generous prize support that's already going on. Like, this is going to be an incredible event. It's going to be a ball and a biscuit. You're not going to want to miss it. It's happening in March on what day? I should really have had this at the tip of my tongue. Lucas knows. What day is it, Lucas? Oh, well, Cascade? Yeah, Cascade. Uh, the second March, last weekend of March. March 9th, I believe, 9th and 10th. Ninth and tenth, yeah. I think ninth and tenth, yeah. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be in Bellingham, Washington. Um, check it out. Find it on BCP. We'll try to throw a link to it if I can remember too. That's gonna be awesome. Can't miss that. If you're in the Northwest anywhere, if you're in California, get up here. It's gonna be awesome. 
Um, so that event, that's the can't miss. If you're in Portland in particular, later in March, we're having Rose Hammer 2. It's going to be awesome. Seems like it's going to be at the Lloyd Center Mall again. So that venue is what it is. But there's a lot of space. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And if you live in Portland, it means you have to buy a hotel. So I'm a fan of that. That's going to be great. Um, overarching though, the big can't miss events, um, as far as bird events goes, you got to hit Sunashmas in December. That's kind of the, the premier thing. Um, Tacoma, of course, from GW is a big deal in July. Um, that is coming back again this year if you haven't seen that yet. So get hyped for that. It is the only consistent GW event. I'm so glad that it's us because if we only got that event once and then never had it again, I would be really sad. Um, and then, like we said, check out uh, the PPM events if you're also in the Portland metro area. Those are great. Um, big yeah. shout out to Patrick Perry. Is, it, is his name Perry? Patrick Perry yes. and Matt. Okay, great. Yeah, Patrick Perry and Matt and their events. They're wonderful. We can't say enough good stuff about them. Um, am I missing anything for the Northwest? Kipper's Melee on Vic- in Victoria. Storm of Silence in Spokane. Uh, oh, the um, uh, the Big Brain Wargaming Atomic City. Oh, my God. That's yeah, try sitting. Justin, I'm Which, so sorry I couldn't make it this year. Incredible events. I, I would go to those if you're a local. I would not, like, fly into Tri-Cities. It's like a GT, but it is a cool GT. So if you're local, definitely go to those. Yeah, would recommend. It's cool. Those also, are mm-hmm. if Chase is running his. I know there's a little bit of like his venue closing down, um, but yeah. he ran like the first big team event in the Pacific Northwest, at least in like the recent years. So if he's running that again this year, that will be like the team event in the PNW this year, as far as I know. Um, so yeah. if you are interested in teams, please go to that and support it. Um, I believe Brood Wars is still scheduled for late August. Um, if I'm not mistaken, venue pending, assuming we're able to figure that out. That would be very helpful. Definitely let y'all know more about those events as we're getting closer to them. So those are the biggest Pacific Northwest, uh, events there. Uh, in the chat here, uh, AK Moosebark says, go to Battlezone Ursa in Anchorage. If you're in the North Northwest, absolutely. I'm sure that event's a great time. Okay. Keep going online. Uh, Dan asks, how did you all meet? Great question. Um, Lucas and I go way back. Um, yeah, Tyler and I have been friends since like middle school. Yeah, we live a, we live closer to each other. Uh, we we live about a mile from each other in California back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we live there. Uh, moved up to Portland to go to college. Went to different colleges on opposite sides of the river. Roomed together junior senior year of college, um, and are rooming together again now after an intermittent break. There, uh, when we got here, we met these two idiots who are awesome um, through the guardian games, Warhammer 40 K competitive league back when that was a thing, rest in peace. Uh, if you're in Portland and you're like, why isn't there a competitive league? If there's all these competitive players, DM us, we'll connect you to the right people. That's how it works now. It's tragic, but it is. Um, or, there's, a, there's a place to play on Thursdays at Mox now that has like real totally. rules. Absolutely. There's a, there's an actual reasonably competitive league. It's happening at Mox on Thursdays. If you don't know what Mox is, look it up. It's awesome. That's run by our boy, John love John. Um, but yeah, uh, Nick and Tanner, do you guys go back further than the Guardian League? Oh, you yeah, should, you should tell it, Nick. All right, I met Tanner as a freshman at college when he was a super senior. One last class. One, yeah, we were playing Ultimate Frisbee. Um, he showed up to one tournament and he was like, I think they were like, dude, we haven't seen you in half a year because he like showed up for spring semester. So they're like, you're gonna go with like the B team and train the freshmen how to play. 
so he's this guy who's like teaching us how to play frisbee yada yada and like i think day one of the tournament like i don't know tears something in your hip or whatever and you just can't yeah, play I tore my hip flexor i couldn't like yeah. lift my knee for six weeks <laughs> yeah so i ran into him a little bit like over the course of the rest of that year like in the gym helping me like learn how to work out help me learn how to lift weights and then he graduated and i never saw him again until my senior year of college when my last semester my friend and i max um we were playing warhammer off and on not super competitively but like with eighth edition coming out we heard the game was like getting a lot better um i think eighth edition was like maybe a year or two out at this point i was playing i just acquired necrons i was super excited to try them so we went down to the guardian league and i saw this familiar large man across the room and i was like dude is that tanner Max is like who the fuck is that dude <laughs> and then <laughs> We played our game, and after the game, I'm like, dude, that's 100% Tanner. And we just kind of wandered up, and we're like, hey, dude, remember us from four years ago? And he was like, oh, no way. And we kind of figured, like, you know, when you graduated, you just, like, left Portland. Spoiler alert, you don't. You, you stick around. Um, <laughs> yeah, you get stuck. So, yeah, Tanner Tanner was like, you guys are here. And we're like, yeah, we had played our first game of competitive 8th edition, and it was super fun, and we want to play more. And Tanner's like, well connect with me. And I think at that point, then I just started playing like two, three games a week. And he, you know, pounded me into the dirt for like six months straight and molded me into the player that I am today. So, yeah. And then I met you guys through the same thing, sort of as well. Um, Yeah, I'd say I I, I more, sorry to like take too much story time, but I think like we didn't connect super much of the Guardian League because like right as we started kind of hanging out, I know Lucas was hanging out with Max. Um, Everything shut down with COVID. And then when I came back to Portland, Max was like, you should play with my friend Lucas. Like, I don't have as much time to play. I think you guys would enjoy playing. And I think when I worked uh, at OMSI over the summer, um, I had a ton of free time after work. So I'd just drive over to Lucas's house and we'd play a few games. And we ended up playing like, I don't know, two, three games a week. Um, and then both realized we needed to find a place. So we moved in together. And that's how we became friends. So Moved in 10 minutes down the time. street from me, basically. Yep, yeah. that neighborhood was sick. The basement days were so good for grinding 40k. Yes, yeah. sir. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how we all came together. Very cool. Uh, next question. That one guy, John, asks Tyler, "What is the most viable GSC list uh, you can come up or GSC only list you can come up with? Don't have the models or funding to bring in guard, but I have huge flexibility in the GSC range. I'm going to combine that with our ten dollar super chat from Specs." Big shout out for that. Uh, who asked, how can I make the Patriarch shine? Running guard makes me want to commit self bomba. Uh, so we want GSC. <laughs> self bomba. We want GSC and we want no guard. And yeah, I think that is heading in the right direction. I think it involves some of these guys, Jane Steelers and Jane Steeler Colts. The dream is alive, boys. And yeah, it definitely also, whoa, whoa does involve uh, the Patriarch. This is a space called Broodlord, technically. But he's way cooler than the real Patriarch model. So let's first talk about what, what the Patriarch does because, God, I love this thing. So he's only 85 points. He hits reasonably hard in combat, and he gives his unit dev wounds. It's kind of cool. It's not that great. But what he also does is at the start of every fight phase, both players' fight phases, every fight phase, everyone within six of him takes a battle shot. And once per game, it's everyone within 12. So what that means is he's a Moloch. 
uh, if you play him right. So what you can do with this, this unit is you stick him and 10 dudes uh, way up the table and you redeploy them into deep strike. Um, and then when, and, and they come in, you ingress them because like it's an eight inch move unit that advances and charges. It loves ingress. But then you ingress, show up outside of nine, but within 12 of as much stuff as possible, pop is familiar. And then all of that stuff in the fight phase takes battle shock checks. So what this does is, first off, it means that, hey, I know well in advance that that unit over there isn't using Armor of Contempt or Runaway or whatever, 5-Up Film of Pain or Minus One to Wood or whatever kind of durability strats it has. It also means, oh, that unit over there doesn't have objective control. That's great. It also can mean that unit over there who was deploying a teleport homer failed his shock. He fails battle shock. Or he, sorry, he fails the action. It's over. He can't score engage anymore. He can't. And uh, that guy who ran over there to uh, extend battle lines, no longer holding that objective. Uh oh, because the end of the fight phase. Uh, now that you check objective holding at the end of player turns as well, I guess this is the start of the fight phase, so it wouldn't have actually effect. But yes, end of the fight phase, he no longer holds that objective. Bummer, dude. Um, really funny for that. I really like him. So I think you take him and ten pure strains. Um, the question is then how many pure strains? And the other question is, do you take aberrants? Um, this is the aberrant loving podcast. Stat check regular hates aberrants. Over here, we love aberrants because they're sick. Um, they're too expensive, but they're sick. Um, and if you're playing mono GSC, like I refuse to play guard levels mono GSC, you probably take aberrants. Um, so you probably take 10 aberrants. You probably take um, 25 to 30 pure strains. Um, one squad with a patriarch that's deep striking as discussed, one squad that starts in mid-board, and then like a five-man to go do actions, or maybe you take the third full ten-man, um, and you take some Bombas. Uh, probably 30, 30 Acolytes, and then 40 Neophytes, and a Ridge Runner, and that's probably right around 2k in the first place. Um, you could also consider taking more Ridge Runners, you could consider taking a Rock Grinder, I don't love either of those options, but a unit or two of two-man Ridge Runners could definitely get you some places, or, fuck all that, let's say you just really like winning half the time. What you could do is you could take 30 pure strains with a Patriarch, the Aberrant unit, and three Reductus Saboteurs, and you could deploy all of that on the 9-inch line, and then you could go first. So, that's those are your two options. You can either build a mix list, or you could do that. I think that'd be kind of funny. Um, I'm probably not going to bring that to a tournament, but someone should Base, at some point. strap. Isn't that Just your current army strategy? No, my army is actually better going second into a lot of things. I just don't tell anyone that because I like going first. Yeah, that's um, not what I heard the whole tournament. You're like, once again, I didn't go first an instant win. Hold on now. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, is is a long story. Um, Any Hoosville, that's GSC. Uh, Marshall asks, do one of us have the shelf? No, none of us have Colin shelf. <laughs> That just disappeared into the fucking night, never to be seen again. Naj has never been to Charity Hammer, despite being invited multiple times. Yeah, every time I go there, I like two days beforehand come down with either COVID or another mysterious illness. So I think at this point, like I'm cursed. Whenever I get invited to Charity Hammer, I'm going to start dying. So please stop inviting me to Charity Hammer. It sounds really fun, though. (laughs) I can't. I'm going to try to go. Hopefully this year. Um, sick. All right, cool. So that's that. Um, next question directed, definitely not subtexted at Lucas or anything. Uh, how does an Archon survive if multiple rounds of combat with a Knight Lancer? 
what? This is something the hell is this about on the last stat check. Where in the fuck? Yeah, is Anthony. Anthony mentioned how his Archon tanked your Lancer. We skipped the beam question. What? Yeah, we no, skipped... we're gonna get there. You're. Oh, are you going upward? I, I'm. Confused. I'm saving. I'm saving questions for when they're. Oh, you're saving the best for last. Oh, Thank you. Okay, I got you. There's a method um, to his. Well, madness. what happens is the Lancer has ten attacks and the Archon has a two of bin bowl, so the math is pretty <laughs> easy to figure out. It's like, how does the Makari survive the king? Well, two up and one, baby. Bummer. Fantastic. All right. Sam asks, for Naj and myself, if your goal is to make the playing line in up for Team USA, what is it going to take uh, for both of you to get there? For those of y'all who do not know, Lucas did start for Team USA last year, and Nick and myself are members of the Academy organization. So we did not start last year. Uh, starters have not yet been determined for this year, but we are in contention to be selected. Um, so, uh, Nick, what do you, what do you think? What's it going to take to get us, like, for us to get over the line? Yeah. I mean, they have a pretty clear, like goals that they want you to meet, which, you know, like the, the captain, the coaches, the, you know, starters are all very communicative. Um, so, I mean, it's going to take like meeting those goals. It's going to take like, you know, proving yourself in scrims, like showing that you're, you're dedicated to your factions and I mean, like actively, putting in work to, you know, innovate and, and test things out, you know? Um, yeah. Make yourself stand out, make yourself valuable. Um, and then also hope that your factions don't suck when it, uh, times come, <laughs> you know, to be on. That is an unfortunate yeah. part of the calculus is at the end of the day, they want faction specialists, not people that want, can hop to any army. Um, I think I'm a great example of that from last year where I kept saying, I'll play anything, I'll play anything. And then I played anything for three months and I wanted to die. It did not work out very well. Um, so you got to kind of just got to double down on your two or three factions and hope they're good when the time comes. Yep. And not it's be afraid to try, of, try things out. Like that's what teams is all about. Don't just keep playing the same shit and being like, oh, it works. Like, try yeah, to find go, go on go on a stint for a month or two where you try something new. I did that recently with Black Templars, where I played like two months of Black Templars. I played like 20 games. I'm like, okay, I understand these five, this faction. Do a, a good degree now. I can offer insight, but I'm not going to be an authority. Very cool. I'm with y'all on that. All right, Sam asks, what is the difference between players with different player skills? Uh, what should players focus on to improve player skill? Uh, I've got some thoughts here. I think there's sort of two different things that I think of when I say, oh, that guy's a... I, if I walk out of again, like, man, that guy's good at Warhammer. I'm saying basically one of two things. Um, maybe three things. Either, one, he's really good at microplay. Um, this I think is the thing that is like the easiest to see in someone when you're like, oh man, like you did combat really well or, oh man. And you know, all of your guys is, is, uh, were in like, you executed this really cool flashy play really effectively. That's great. That's something that I love personally. And that is frankly the least relevant or useful part of being good at Warhammer. Um, it's really flashy. It's really fun. Uh, and it's really necessary a lot of times and you can lose games if you don't know how to do it. But I think the other things are more important. The second big thing I think is target priority. Um, you know that you are playing against someone well when they know which units in your army need to go away quickly. Um, one of the things that happens all the time, you'll see this on the uh, on this show, especially going uh, forward. I don't know how much of it happened in the last couple in this episode, but we see this all the time where we walk around like, man, this matchup is bad. 
because they just kill like my flash gets and then the gets are gone and then I'm out of guns and they win the game. And my opponent did not know that and they did not shoot my flash gets until turn four and I clobbered them. That happens all the time. So matchup knowledge and target prioritization, very big thing of player skill. And, and that is easy-ish to quantify. And the hardest thing I think to quantify, but probably the most important is macro play and positioning, which like, I'm going to turn it over to like Lucas to talk about because he's really good at that. Yeah, a lot of this is kind of, is kind of tied with tempo. You kind of have to understand like, are you the aggressor here? Um, you should walk up to every table having a good um, a, a very solid understanding of whether or not you need to be the aggressor or the defensive uh, player here. Um, and a lot of that comes down to, are you favored or are you not favored? Like if it, if it is a bad matchup, you probably have to be the aggressor to try to flip the matchup on its head. And if you are favored, then you can afford to take less, less risks, right? So like I've played a ton of chaos sites in the last four months. I'll give two different examples. The first example is custodies. Um, Chaos Knights really don't like Custodes, and one of the only ways they can win is just by overloading them and forcing them to deal with all of the dogs all at once and, like, killing two or three models from all the squads, hoping they fail some of the morale checks. Maybe they lose some models when they fall back. They can't use strats, and those are pretty essential. You just kind of got to try things and go for riskier plays um, because it's an unfavored matchup, right? So it's all about pushing your models, positioning very aggressively, trying to overload, and seeing if you can flip the matchup on its head. Um, by contrast, there's uh, GSC, and they're not in the, very, in the best spot right now, but Chaos Knights are one of the worst matchups for a reason. Um, in that matchup, you don't have to be very aggressive. You can just send off one dog a turn to go do something and be annoying while the rest of them just kind of like camp on the objective and say, you can bomb me whenever you want to. I'm going to win this game unless you do something very drastic. Um, and even when they try drastic things, it very rarely works because it's hard to dislodge Chaos Knights once on objectives. Um, so that's a matchup where you can just kind of sit still, uh, position very defensively, uh, be in positions where all your models can support attacks regardless of where they happen on the table. This is something that uh, a, um, a lot of players just forget about all the time is that your the army always needs to support itself, especially when you're running something like CK or Death Guard's another great example, right? Where you have like three of this one unit and three of this other unit and three of this third unit. If they're all in different spots, I can't like, respond to enemy aggression in different parts of the table, then you're going to get, um, you're going to get caught out. Yeah. I'd love to chime in on the macro thing there too. When you're talking about aggressing and pushing, I think it's hard to quantify, but really critical skill to winning in singles. And this doesn't apply to teams in the same way at all is like, you'll have a lot of matchups where it's better to take a really swingy bet early than it is to try and grind out what like if the other guy is any good she's is just like a hideously unlikely outcome and understanding that some matchups are your percentages are better if you're willing to expose yourself to high variance early because like you have a low variance way to lose slowly or a high variance way to create some sort of opportunity is something that takes a lot of people a long time a lot of people who play gts like occasionally are happy to show up and just do the micro and be like, okay, I played pretty good. And then I lost and it's a tough matchup, but they're very rarely like willing to look, put all their models on a brick on the line and be like, if I shove 2000 points in the middle, maybe I win or the opposite, you know, like what if I full hide for two turns and it takes a while to get used to playing us with the acceptance. You might just throw games away because the bet doesn't go your way at whatever point you make it. But I think that's one of the hardest things to learn in 40 K. 
Yep. And once you do, like you just win way more games forever because you take stuff that you have no real shot at and now you win it one third of the time. Yeah. Yep. Sweet. All right. Keeping it going with the food related questions. Is chili without beans still chili or is it just a meat stew? It's meat stew. I'm sure t Tanner, Tanner, I'm shocked that that's your response. Aren't you a, aren't you a Texas food fan? Yeah, I really stand by a chili is like the bean is the core thing though. Like Texas gets a lot of stuff right, but I can't go so far as to say we get everything right across the board. And like, you can eat a bean. <laughs> I don't know. It's you're just eating a pile of beef in water. That's not a stew. It's My not... question is why the hell would you remove the best part of the stew? Why would you add the meat to the bean to begin with? Frankly, it's already perfect. Just, why would you? Yeah, exactly. Why would you not just eat a can of beans, bro? <laughs> yeah, so true. Great question. All right. Uh, were you ready for this many food questions? Absolutely not. Sorry. Do you have an answer to that, Nick? I had a funny answer. For me, you know, chili is any sort of thick, you know, watery food that my friends uh, complain that they're going to have digestive issues after because every goddamn person in our friend group says that whenever they eat chili. So. Wait, really? Yeah, you were pointing this out. When, like, you were going to make chili for us, and then everyone's like, oh, my stomach. And you're like, why do all you guys have, like, stomach? Oh, problems? yeah, it was Skyline. Like, yes, yeah. Skyline chili, yes. All righty. Uh, actual, more serious question here. Uh, what is your pre-game or pre-tournament ritual? Music and meditation, gym it up, et cetera, et cetera. I usually fill up my water bottle with some delicious ice-cold H2O, and then I take a gigantic shit because the worst thing ever is like realizing you have to shit in the middle of round one. Yeah. Thoughts? That's so true, dude. If you don't like pregame poop, be it 40k or anything else, if you compete at anything you don't shit right before, like you're trolling if you think you're trying to win at all. You have to be <laughs> empty. That's so, it's so insane that someone would play this game filled with poop. It makes no sense. Yeah. Get yourself a bowl of chili before round one, dude. Yeah. There you go. Good to go. <laughs> Yeah, I try and offer people morning beers is like my starting ritual because it's like if my first round opponent will drink a beer with me as we start to roll dice, it's going to be a good weekend no matter what. And if not, then you're sad and then you're just like drinking in front of them having a sad time. And that's like strong mental warfare, too, because they feel bad. They're like, damn, you got to drink on your own. It's like, oh, it's your fault, man. So that's a good ritual. I like to the night before, like just organize everything in my case. Um it helps me remember like what's in my army, um, like how does it all go together, that sort of thing. And yeah, so I think just like packing and then like relaxing. Um, I know some people like to like pour over lists endlessly. I like doing that with you guys, especially that's another very fun ritual. It's like drives up to tournaments when the lists yes. are unlocked early, playing the whole list game of like, what is this? Like, let's go over this list and then thinking through like what secondaries would I take, like depending on which mission I play, that sort of thing. So I think those are my favorite things to do morning of. It's just like, go have a good breakfast, go get some coffee, go to the bathroom, make sure you got water. Let's go play. Yeah. I think breakfast is the big thing for me. I try to, to do a good proper breakfast both days, every tournament we go to where applicable. It's one of the real reasons I'm very excited for cascade clash being in Bellingham is that we're going to get to, um, cause it's not actually building, it's Mount Vernon. So we're going to get to go to Mr. T's for breakfast, which is going to be, be sick. Excellent. Um, 
but yeah, get a big breakfast. I'm real into into pre gaming. I mean, with the music, I gotta hone myself in a little bit. Um, I can't burn myself out too quickly. If I bring my full energy to round one, I'm gonna be dead in round three. So like, yeah, there's definitely some meditation happening there. Um, sweet. Two second aside. And- two second aside. Wait, 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 wait. Look at the difference in size between these things. Wow, one of those the, things is larger than the other one. All the right. Lancer head uh, is gigantic. It is. That's very cool. All right, we're two and a half hours in, and we're not even halfway through the questions. Um, uh, Lucas uh, and everyone, but especially Lucas, how do you avoid the tilt when the dice scam you? Don't. <laughs> Who asked this? Who knew this about Lucas? I they they just asked it generally. I pointed it at okay, Lucas because okay, I thought it'd be okay, funny. Okay. Oh yeah, very uh, funny. Dude. Slamming them full force into the table. <laughs> exactly. I am a I am a notorious rager. I don't buy the stupid like don't blame the dice. Forty k players are these fucking paragons of like calm. Don't get upset upset by RNG. Just rage out. As long as you don't direct it towards your opponent, who fucking cares? They're dice. It's a table. Get fucking angry. Who cares? I'm going to disagree with that statement. For this and other great uh, tips, subscribe to our Patreon and join the Discord. (laughs) No, absolutely. I think that it is really important for me personally, whenever the dice isco tits up, to focus exclusively on the things that I could have controlled in that situation. I like to do a little math and be like, all right, cool. If this was under a like 1% chance, under a half a percent chance, at a certain point, you got to say, yep, yeah, I accept up to that risk and it happened. But anything above that, I'm always trying to be like, cool, what were the contingencies that could have been set up, up to prevent this? Even if they're not real, convincing myself that they were like full cards on the table helps a lot to be like, man, yeah, I could have done something better there. Because at the end of the day, I can walk out of that and be like, mm, yep, could have done something better. That feels so much better to me than be like, damn, dude, nothing I could have done. Right, like you haven't played a perfect game, and I f- I find personally that I feel way less upset if I can find something to nitpick about my gameplay instead of of, of getting too focused on yeah I got scammed. Even if the dice are the main problem, it's just better for my mental health to never let myself believe that. I think it's crazy we play this game and just pretend it's not gambling. Like, I tried oh, really hard to ignore it for two years of being competitive, and that's just a wild take. Like. We play a gambling game. Sometimes you roll seven ones and you need one, two. I think if that it tilts you, you have to open your mindset to like, you can play chess. Like if this is what you love, there's a gambling aspect that be life. This is not a very good competitive game. Frankly, it's a really fun whole experience where we get to do this and paint minis and roll dice. But like how many times have you had the perfect board state and then like a literal one in a million happens to you and then the next game the exact same unlight it's like yeah yeah you're gambling you should embrace it <laughs> play voting at one gt and you'll understand yeah. exactly. then you'll yeah. be a real gambler then you're yeah, a gambler. tonight's biggest winner is it me or my opponent oh. um yeah let's read this chat real quick uh, oh, yeah, Isaac's asking can. in the chat, can you rage if Tanner rolls a six to win in round three? <laughs> yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, <laughs> He needed one shot to go through to kill one dude to get overwhelming and flip the game. And I, we were like doing the AP math. Someone around me is like, well, does it? And I just rolled a dice and like, we'll find out if it matters. And it was a six. I was like, sick. Okay, I win. I know. Game. It's great. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I was like, like, that game was four dice at any given time, you know? 
So yeah, also, for guys, me, um, with you. I'm sorry, but I have to go. Thanks for having good, me. Tanner. Bye, Thanks Tanner. For being here, dude. Bye, See guys. You, yeah, avoiding till. Um, I mostly just get sad when the dice scam me. I go bummer. Um, and uh, I guess more importantly, I try to like. I mean, I probably try to apply this lesson, this lesson to life as well, which is I just try not to waste a lot of energy on things that are outside of my control. Like, you know, there are things in my control, like putting myself in a position where I am attacking you with a unit that wounds on threes versus attacking you with a unit that wounds on sixes. That's in my control, right? If you're like going in and you're like, I need six sixes to kill you, and you roll four, and you go, ah, that's like, well, dude, like, come on, maybe think a little bit better. But sometimes, like what Tanner was saying, you're gambling. Sometimes shit happens, and you just got to be like, well, it happened. <laughs> you know, you can get angry, but like, end of the day, I'm just like, it's outside of my control. Like, what can I do to try to minimize this? So, yeah. I'm with it. Sweet. All right. Uh, Ethan asks, will I finally stop asking Tyler questions in the NIDS channel? I absolutely doubt it. But if you would like to ask me questions in the NIDS channel or ask Nick or Lucas questions in their respective channels, you can join our Patreon Discord uh, over at the link in the description. Great. Uh, Lucas from Tim the Weird Boy. First off, thoughts on Orcs place in teams as of right now. Do they make the eight? I think so. Uh, I think they're best paired with other midfield control armies. Um, if you take orcs on their own, they're pretty good just as a standalone mid-range army. But uh, you can really pin people with world leaders plus, or sorry, with custodies plus orcs, but especially world leaders plus orcs. That's like for a lot of armies, that is a brutal combination to try to face down. Um, if you're defending and you see world leaders and orcs, you could just be shit out of luck. So, yeah, I think they're super strong. Very cool. And would you make any changes to your orc list that you brought to the GT here to adapt it for the team setting? Or do you think it's fine as it is? Probably. Um, I I shouldn't really be the highest authority on this because I haven't played a ton of orcs for WTC. Mostly I've been mostly focusing on Chaos Knights. If I had to make some changes, I would... Um, I've been debating, honestly, cutting the flash kits. I feel like they are much weaker on the the denser WTC tables. It is that unit is unwieldy. Uh trying to deploy 1140 millimeter bases, not only where they can all shoot preferably a close to the closest target, but then also be in a position to overwatch. That's kind of what you need to do to use that unit effectively. It is it is unwieldy to to say the least. Um so that is the first unit on a chopping block in my opinion. Uh and that kind of doubles down on what orcs are what or already good at, right? Just like melee units and transports projecting insane threat. The flash kids don't really do that as much. They're more like protection against certain people trying to move block you or um, deny you in singles. Uh, I think in teams you could totally cut the flash kids. And this might be that might be kind of controversial or I might regret saying that in a couple of months after some testing, but um, that would be the first place I'd go. Very cool. Uh, Johnny asked, of the armies that you don't currently play, which do you think you would enjoy the most? Enjoy the most. Like, what do you think you'd have uh, the most fun playing that you're not playing currently? Grey Knights. I think Grey Knights are really cool. I know Tyler's answer. Yeah, I, I would definitely uh, have to say uh, Necrons there. I frankly might go play some Necrons. We'll see. Um, because they're really funny. And they oh. do everything that my current armies are trying to do, but a lot better. 
Um, so we, I might go see if I can if I can apply that skill set to um, to something with a little bit more punch behind it. So we'll see. Hate to say the top meta army right now, but like that's just kind of the reality of the situation that they're better GSC. So. Um, for me, I have two answers to this. One, I have been really wanting to try World Eaters for a long time. They're one of the most fun armies I've played in 9th edition. Um, a lot of, like, me not wanting to just hop to other factions is me trying to, like, stay focused on the factions I picked for teams. Um, especially because we have so many people already interested in World Eaters on our team. Um, and with the nerfs, obviously, they got a little bit worse, but I think it'd be a fun army to play just you know, RTTs around here, that sort of thing. The other one is really, like, the real answer is, like, Eldar, like, which I know is, like, a scummy answer, and I've been trying to stay away from them for so long. One, because we have 16 Eldar players on Team USA, and two, just because, like, <laughs> that army's silly. Like, it's not it's not fun to play into. Uh, you know, maybe it's at a point where it is now, but um, I will not lie that playing Harlequin's last edition was definitely one of the most fun armies I played just because, I mean, you feel like you can do everything and you're invincible because you are. Um, which, you know, feels really good when you're trying to get good at the game, but once you kind of realize, like, oh, okay, things are broken. So, yeah. Um, but my god, do I love Big Dumb Monster, and I'm very happy that Kane is good. So, um, that, that model tempts me. Kane is funny. We could use some Eldar on our Champions Cup team. But uh, yeah, very cool. Sweet. Um, uh, Isaac asks a big personal question. You should answer that in the channel for him or DM him about that, uh, which leads us to our last and most important question. Lubus Troller, what kind of beans is best? Bush's black beans. Uh, Bush's seasoned black beans. It's a blue and black can, um, and it's delicious. Very nice. Excellent. Whew, we got it all done in under three hours. Two hours, 45. Not a terrible timestamp. Super-sized pilot episode. <laughs> absolutely. Anyway, we had a lot to cover. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So if you enjoyed this, we'll be back. Uh, I think we're switching to Saturdays. Is that right, Nick? That's the Great. plan, Saturday mornings. Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Pacific. Assume we're not at a tournament. Are we doing an episode at the beach? Is that happening? Because that would be the next one. Because I don't think we're doing one this Saturday. Probably not. Probably not an episode at the beach. That would mean that our next episode is on the 24th. We're not at a tournament that day or something, are we? I don't think so. Sweet. So we'll be back in two weeks and two days He's, uh, for some more of that. Subscribe to us here on YouTube. It's great. That's how I especially let GW know. If you'd like us to have early access to things, that's how you get that. Um, we're on, on your podcast feeds. Check out the Patreon. We have some awesome sponsors. We have Red Dragon Games. We have Waylon Yutani. I feel like there's a third one. Yeah, there's... Um, the, the Etsy guy who does the awesome widgets and stuff. I have those Battleshock tokens that I love. There are links down there. You should click them. They have great things. Some of them have discount codes. Hopefully it says them because I don't know them yet. Check out the rest of the shows on the network. Check out StatCheck. You probably know about StatCheck if you're here. But you might not know about X and One and Enter the Matrix, which are fantastic shows run by close personal friends of ours that we love who make awesome stuff. Um, X and One is about uh, being 
awesome while playing the game, maybe not quite as as uh, competitively because you're like a real adult person who has a job or something. That sounds boring. But if you're one of those people, that's probably a great show for you. Um, having a job sounds boring, to be to clear that. That's the joke. You're all very great people who I'm sure are wonderful. Um, I love Tim and Cliff. They're awesome. Uh, and also, uh, Enter the Matrix, if you're really into teams, especially uh, interested in following the WTC sphere um, with Typhus and is it Nathan who's now running that with him? Yep. Yeah, they're awesome. Great. Check that stuff out. Check out the sponsors. Keep the conversation going in the Patreon Discord. We'd love to see you there. We got so many comments in the last handful of things. Great. Okay. Fantastic. With all that being said and done, thank you so much for joining us. I guess our outro can be the same. I've been Tyler. I've been Nick. I'm still Lucas, baby! And we'll see you in a couple weeks or something for some more of this absolute nonsense. It's not TNG, it's TAC. It's been great to be with y'all. We'll catch you next time.